taking off in five, four, three, dose. So we were just chatting about um, something really interesting that happened back in the early 2000s before uh, before we kicked off the show. Um, so I'm going to loop you guys in, um, our listeners, obviously. I don't, I don't know exactly when it was because it, it doesn't really give a particular date, but Blockbuster CEO, Blockbuster, I just said that. Yeah. It's not something often mentioned. <laughs> I, I think there's, <laughs> At least not anymore. So yeah. I think there is one remaining Blockbuster store that's still open in like Portland, Oregon. It's either Portland, Oregon or Seattle. Yeah. I think we talked about it on the show. Which... um. It, it fits, you know, it makes sense that it would be somewhere very like somewhere very weird where people, yeah. they probably still like go, go get the DVDs and VHS. I, I think they're opening up a new video store somewhere near here. Unless really? I'm mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Which is kind of cool. I like it. I like the throwback. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely um, a front for money yeah. laundering. And, yeah. <laughs> I, car- I, per- I personally drugs. will never actually go there myself, yeah. but. I'll you know, read about them online as I'm downloading my stream. <laughs> I want to go and then like figure out what the secret like word is. Yeah, yeah. To where they so let you, get you the in, the back. in the back. Yeah. yeah. To where yeah. some really risque shit is going on. <laughs> I just said risque. Yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> why. You Anyone who really like who often uses that word is yeah, using asshole. Very questionable character. Yeah. That, that person. Um, but yeah. So uh, Blockbuster CEO John Antis Antioco. I think that's it. I don't know. So. Yep. Antioco. <laughs> yeah. So he passed on an offer to buy Netflix for $50 million in the early 2000s. Netflix is now worth upwards of $100 billion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like anything, right? Like the person who, you know, could have invested in Apple before it was Apple. The person who could have invested in fucking like Walt Disney or some shit before yeah. it was Walt Disney. You know what I mean? Like It it's, still it's, eats yeah. you. Like, you know, you know the that like mogul guy Gary V or whatever. Yeah. Um he always tells a story about how he got like offered a chance to invest in Uber like early early on. Yeah. And he passed on it. He didn't just think it was a smart investment and now he just looks at you know how much profit at least shareholders are making. Maybe not the company is too profitable, but very you're making a lot of money if you own any bit of Uber. Yeah. But yeah, like you're saying like it's hard to have that foresight. Yeah, because then you know what do you do? What do you invest in everything? Like, yeah, do you just never say no? You know, because that's what essentially what that means. Because I mean, sure, you can look at different metrics and like different companies and be like, all right, hey, this one's better than this one, or this one might have the potential, but you just never really know. Somebody who looks like a sh- complete shit show today can be worth multi billions yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, you just never know. So I'm reading a book right now that like kind of discusses this. It's called How the Mighty Fall, right? Uh, so the book analyzes all the steps that like major companies go through, like uh, Bank of America back in like the 90s and um, Enron and, you know, all of and Sears and we look at JCPenney now's, right? All these major companies that were one time like the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, you know, whether it was American retail or banking or finance, what JP Morgan's and the Goldman and Sachs and, um, you know, the Wells Fargo's, these major companies that at a certain point hit a wall and they went through like extreme financial decline. Yeah. And all of the ways in which like, you know, the, the steps that these companies go through to where they either fail or they come back from, you know, what looks like failure. Yeah. Um, 
Blockbuster mm-hmm. definitely went through that, right? Because at one point they were it. You wanted to see a movie. You wanted to, you know, whether it was a date night with your significant other, whether it was inter- entertaining the kids, whatever it may be. You went to Blockbuster. Yeah. And Blockbuster was like an experience too, right? You'd go and, you know, there's all these movies, different sections, different. You learned a lot about yourself as well as other people when you go to Blockbuster. Yeah. You you could spend two hours in a Blockbuster trying to figure out what to watch. Yeah. Because you actually physically have to, like, it's not like, okay, I can click on this category and get all the titles. No. Yeah. You have to actually walk, see the shit. Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes, like, the, the actual covers might be missing. Oh, so yeah, yeah. you'd have to actually look at the fucking title to see what the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah. I rem- yo, I remember it was it was fun as a kid going going to Blockbuster and getting a movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was my first indication that I was getting older. Is that I can walk because you had to like I think you had to be of a certain age in order to go get the card. Yeah. So you had yeah. to, like it was like you know what I mean when you signed up for it, you're like oh. Okay, I'm big time now. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can go get my own movie. Yeah, my, I, don't, I, don't I don't need, need you. you. <laughs> I'm a grown man. Now, can I have ten dollars so I can purchase said video? <laughs> <laughs> but so I mean, so going back to the to the blockbuster thing, I mean, this guy again, not his fault, you know. And he, as a CEO, maybe was <clears throat> obviously you have advisors. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> he was probably advised. Like, hey, you know, maybe that's not the best decision. We don't know whether that company, that that model, the Netflix model, has a future. Because at this point in time, when Blockbuster was at its peak, right, early 2000s, people probably never expected streaming content on demand, video on demand to be what it is today. Of course. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the part of it that I will not accept. That you, you had to have seen that the internet was going to be where everything would like, it was already even happening. People were already uploading videos and shit to like Napster. Uh, you know, uh, whenever I know, whenever I wanted to watch Dragon Ball Z, I would download the episodes and I, I'd waited three days. It took for the episode to die <laughs> yeah. to, to download off of fucking dial up and shit. Um, but you know, I, I just don't think they thought it would I, crush I don't their business how, model, but I don't know. Like, companies put a lot of effort and time into figuring that out how you didn't see something that big like especially like if you're a company like blockbuster i'm if you weren't then you're just stupid but i'm sure they were outsourcing that sort of uh whoever was looking into that like Mm -hmm. forecasting like uh you know hey tell us what our threats in the industry are who are like you had to know who your competitors were and you know how to know what technology like you have to be ahead of the technology you know but that means they would have to have known or like you know that showed so to have known that at a certain point everybody would have a home computer not even that everybody you know millions and millions of americans would have laptops not only that mobile devices like tablets that would completely you know allow people to stream content and it would crush the blockbuster business model they probably thought it's going to be an alternative it's going to be an option people are going to be able to you know watch videos online but there's nothing like the at-home movie experience you know in front of your tv with your family there's going to be nothing like that 
mm-hmm. I, I could imagine that was their thinking. Like, no, we're we're still going to be here. We're still going to be relevant. No, you keep saying it, and I, I keep refuting it. No, well, there, I mean, obviously they no decided not to buy Amazon. Yeah. So I'm just like trying to think in my head. I'm sorry, not Amazon, yeah. Netflix. I'm just like going through the paces in my head of what what would those I reasons know. be? I, I I can see if you're the CEO, right, and you don't buy shares in you know, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want ownership in Netflix. I can see that. Right. But as a company, how you didn't know video on demand was going to be as hot, especially if you're in the VHS, uh, slash DVD, you know, Blu-ray, like your job is like, they had to figure out, Oh, what's going on with Blu-ray before Blu-ray was hot. You know, yeah. they, they had a known that, Hey, we need to start changing this shit now because once there's that demand and once you miss that wave, it's gone. The wave is gone. You're not, you know, and, and I'm saying all this with the understanding that, yeah. And that's why blockbuster isn't here today. Cause they weren't fast enough with projecting out. So maybe you're right. Maybe they just didn't, they didn't predict, you know, yeah. that, uh, uh, you know, this is going to happen, but I, I really don't understand as a video, uh, you know, blockbuster video company, how you don't see like in fact that makes like that's the biggest threat to you like making you irrelevant is you know hey i just can be sitting on my couch at home and i can click on a couple buttons and have the shit pop up on my tv or even netflix's original sort of concept of we'll mail you the shit yeah even that's a fucking threat to you like how did you not see that? Like again, like so, and, and I'm just like taking the um, you know, the uh, the other position here, right? I'm taking the yeah. position of, of me being the CEO of Blockbuster during this time, and what rationale I may have used to to you know deny that deal to buy out Netflix. Yeah, and maybe it was like again, they, they Netflix can mail DVDs to your house, but that is not the the movie experience that that people want people want to go to the store and shop around and look at it and and bring the kids and you know the kids get their movie the parents get theirs people want that experience getting it mailed to you and having to mail it back mm-hmm. at that point in time it may have seemed um no no you, you're you're going for the opinion that that's easier yeah like th- i'm thinking again going through like what their rationale may have been oh, okay they may have said you know it's easier for you know, get the kids in a car, go to Blockbuster. Pick How is that easier than opening up your mailbox? Or, or, or maybe not ease. Maybe like there's an experience to it that that's valuable, right? When you got four screaming kids, two of them. Listen, I'm having a hard time <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out what those motherfuckers are thinking. Huh? <laughs> like I appreciate because yeah. this is usually what I do. I yeah, usually yeah. try At to. At the end like, of the day, they fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> And this same thing happened with AOL, right? I, I think yeah. AOL, um, yeah, I think at one time they were valued at like $3 billion. And this is like way back when, right? And then they had the opportunity to like buy out Google um, or uh, buy out one of the, maybe, maybe it was Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was Google. They had an opportunity to buy out one of their competitors. Yeah. Um, and they were like, no, no, you know, we're not going to buy them out. We're just going to continue to grow and we'll eventually like crush our competitors, right? Yeah. And then, Fast forward like ten years, AOL went from being worth like <laughs> three billion to like two hundred fifty million. It was like we fucked up. Yeah, yo, this if you had a lot of money invested in that, yeah, right. Like, there's no way you don't think about that all the time. Yeah, yo, I could have been 
a billionaire. Could have had hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars. Yeah, I, th- I think I only the, have twelve. I could have had hundreds. I think for the average investor, that is the thought: is fuck, I could have invested in this shit way earlier, yeah, and been a fucking multimillionaire. But I think as like you know, if you're in, if you're blockbuster or if you're you know AOL or like what you're thinking is, hey, we are, we're betting on ourselves more than we're betting on these other companies. The problem with them is, is that it's the problem like with. Uh, uh, musicians right uh, they they become irrelevant when they stop being adaptable to the times you know what I mean like you start like their music starts sounding dated when they're doing some shit that was hot 10 15 years ago but not like adapting their style and not necessarily caving into the times but at least giving a nod to your current like the current world you know yeah. because we want something that's relevant to us now not something that was relevant to us 20 years ago that's fun for nostalgia purposes but that's not helping us now you know and i think that a lot of these companies are betting on themselves to stay adaptable and then they don't <laughs> stay adaptable you know so. yeah so as you were as you were talking i was trying to pull up the old like article or video um, it was the one about like this investor, this hedge fund man, hedge fund, hedge Yikes. fund. Yikes. <laughs> I don't know I, why I'm having trouble with that. I believe in you. I feel hedge like you fund there you manager. There you go. Um, basically lost all of his um, investors money. Mm. And then he had this like investors call where he was, um, you know, he was t- explaining to them what happened. And he kept saying this, like, it's like one of those bullshit, like business terms, right? Like this unexpected wave of uh, a change in the financial market that uh, cataclysmically yeah when they start using (laughs) words where you need to look up what they are that's when you know yeah this is not heading in a good direction so basically he was telling them that like yo something was happening in the market that was you know affecting where money was being invested and how money was moving around and we saw it we were aware of it we didn't anticipate it to be as drastic as it turned out to be. And because of that, we lost your entire life savings. Everything you've invested with us. Well, no, that, then that's just on you. You're stupid. Yeah. So if that's your entire life savings, then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's essentially the same as going to the track and been like, I'm putting it all on. Yeah. I mean, penny a lot, a lot of rich people have the majority of their, their net worth in, in investments. Oh, right? I certainly hope not. No, no, no. Like that, but that's why people buy, like, buy yeah, property. Yeah, I mean, you buy property, real estate, things that, like, can't yeah, you just can't. shift in value based yeah. off of, like, how the markets are doing that day. Yeah. But anyway, so he lost, like, over $100 million total of his, like, clients' accounts, right? So I'm wondering <laughs> what that Best Buy call was like, right? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> very very lax you started very yeah. you start uh, off yeah. the call like highlighting certain investors like yeah. hey mark and cindy out in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Out in uh, colorado You're just wasting time thanks for jumping on the this this call uh, you know, <laughs> how's your dog doing i remember the last time he was sick and, and that's exactly how this guy started that investors call he was like he he addressed every investor by name and yeah. you know stories and private conversations that they've had then he broke the bad news yeah. that blockbuster call netflix it's um it's it's this 
new service that seems to have taken off like a rocket and you know we, <laughs> we there was just no way we could yeah, have foreseen this we it's, couldn't uh, have seen this drastic yeah. shift in technology and and, and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what they said at the time but i would have been pissed if i was a sh- if i was a shareholder yeah no I, you know i i wouldn't have been uh i or i, w- I would have been pissed but yes you would have been pissed but i also would have been immediately trying to get on the phone with my investors for Netflix <laughs> being like, yeah. uh, buy, I'm buying more. Buy hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? Let's buy on this fucking intro. Yo, it's your boy T.O. As you know, it's your boy or rain real name. No games, no gimmicks, no coffee connoisseur. No, I'm having a coffee right now. I didn't throw that one in there. I I really feel like it was got a, a bigger cup. It was a proper time. It, it would have been a great time. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was a complete failure on your part. Edit it. Edit it in. No, I pull, will not take the extra time. Pull that sound <laughs> no. from one of our previous recordings no. and drop it in there. I completely refuse. All right, uh, we are the Fade Podcast, the one-stop shop for everything TV, media, and film related, along with any other goddamn thing we want to talk about. It is. Christmas Eve. Yeah. When you're listening to it, it's probably Christmas Day, but it's all the same. Yeah. Relative yeah. time frame <laughs> for yeah, well, actually, it, It's probably months later. Uh, <laughs> knowing our listeners, yeah. Because it's funny, whenever I hear people, you know, they say they listen to a show, it's always like, oh, yeah, like I'm on episode 12. I'm like, yo. <laughs> so they're going to be hearing this in June. Like, Christmas? What? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, in this next year, I definitely, it would, clearly, we're going to be uh, taking you two by storm. Um, and I think that that's going to help people because like, we're going to chop up things into like nice little bites. Yeah. And I think they'll check that out more than they check out like the entire show. In one oh, scene. yeah. We're going to be real progressive. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to be in your face. Trust me. You're either going to get sick of us or you're going to get with the team. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can take that to the bank. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. We, that was a, that was good back in the uh, like yeah, early. Were, were you watching an '80s movie before you came here? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what I saw the other day? Like yeah. RoboCop. Oh god. A lot of old sayings in RoboCop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, RoboCop is one of those movies where I absolutely loved it when I was a kid, and then I saw it again when I was older. I was like, Yo, I was a terrible. If you soul. watch RoboCop today, you'll be like. Holy shit. We were all stupid <laughs> to have thought this was incredible. The movie uh, was you know what? It was good. No. Nah, I like Robo. No. That's the nostalgia. Idea, That's nostalgia you're speaking the about. The idea of Robocop. No, it is it's because even the newer Robocop was garbage. Uh, yeah. But so, like because the newer Robocop just it just it, it wasn't as new yeah. it, it wasn't anything different it was just like we're going to take that shit and we're just going to like you know revamp it bring it into in, into current times and yeah. but but like RoboCop then was like new it was like holy shit yeah. this robotic dickless cop <laughs> <laughs> is running around Detroit i mean at that point you know let's, let's just how much more do you have to live for yo if <laughs> If I got into like, if I was in some major accident, some explosion, and you 
for whatever fucking reason decided to bring me back, <laughs> but I would didn't you, have you, a dick. Would you would you be send me back where pissed? I came from? <laughs> yeah. Yo, would you piss if somebody brought you back? Like you didn't explicitly say, um, if I die, bring me back. Yeah. It all depends. Like if I come back immediately and I'm living the same exact life and I don't have any superpowers <laughs> and I yeah. still have to go to yeah. work for all its <laughs> purposes. You're, and then you're like, you're, you're a zombie too. So <laughs> yeah. if you, if I yeah. die at like noon and you bring me back at two thirty, and I yeah. like, you know, still got to do shit. <laughs> you got to clock out. <laughs> yeah. Still got to go to work. I got, I got emails. I got to respond to. Get, wait, wait, but, but, like what if they brought you back but they made you part uh RoboCop? Like what if you were Murphy? Uh, see, Murphy still had to go to work. Right? But he was exponentially better at it. And plus he didn't have to put up with the, all the other shit, right? Uh Did you see told- the what car he was driving? No, just a regular cop. <laughs> Yo, you gotta give me the new shit. This was also 1945 that they made this movie. I right? want the wood grain on my dash. <laughs> like, what is, is why is the car always the deal breaker with you? There's always Yo, you'll be satisfied if you just get a car. Because I, I at least about? need to be riding around nice. Why? If I it died, doesn't you matter. Bring, you brought me back. I don't have my dick. I at least need a nice <laughs> car. Fuck. Oh, Otherwise, shit. I just I'm just gonna pull the pin and drop the grenade in my own lap. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring me back this time. No, you know what I would do. Uh, in order to tempt fate, I'd I'd go on many uh, amusement park rides. That's what I would do. And that's just, it. That's that's and just inevitably wait. Yeah, they're terrifying. Are you kidding me? Roller coasters. Roller coasters. Yes, terrifying. And I've just developed this fear in like the last like week. Roller coaster. Very few people die per year on roller coasters. Attempting fate. That's what I'm saying. Tempting fate. Tempting fate. You're. You mean to tell me the Superman ride at Six Flags of America? (laughs) Didn't somebody tempting fate? I could have swore somebody did die from. Hey, that was God's plan. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't the roller coaster's fault? God's will. Uh, yeah, but but to answer that original question. I don't think I would enjoy somebody bringing me back without my explicit yeah. instructions. They would to have do to so. have be, been like a, a bigger than life purpose to bring me back. I mean, what purpose could that be? Like, you're the one, Neo. <laughs> like that type. You wouldn't have died in the first place. He's all having him, my man. He, you know, like I don't. How did Neo survive that in the first place? Uh, survive what? Like, how did he come back to life? After Agent Smith put like eight of them. Fuck, he's the one. <laughs> what are you going to tell him? No, but I mean, like, that just didn't make any sense. I never really understood that part. Like, did did Trinity bring him back to life somehow? Or Wait, how tell, did that re- work? Remind me of the scene again. Was this okay, in the so, Matrix Reloaded? No, no, no. This is in the first Matrix. The first one. Yeah. Where, uh, so Neil's running away from agent the agents and he's trying to find a phone yeah. in order to make the call. And he finds the phone, but when he gets, when he opens the door to the room, Agent Smith is standing there. Now, this is happening simultaneously 
in the real world where the Nebuchadnezzar, the, their spaceship is being attacked by the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the lasers are flying everywhere. And then Agent Smith, as soon as Neo opens up the door, he puts about nine in his chest. He, he was gave, it in the real world? He gave or was him the it 50 in the Matrix? Cent. In, in the Matrix. They were in, in the, in the Matrix. Matrix yeah. And Agent Smith puts about nine in them bad boys and, and Neo. Uh, he gave him the 50 cent treatment. Uh, and uh, and then I think, so Neo then essentially dies. Like his all his vitals go flatline. And then Trinity tells him, oh, hey, you can't be dead because the Oracle told me I'd be in love with the one. And I'm in love with you. She catches him. Boom. Back alive. Gets up, fucks up Agent Smith. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. D- does some crazy that was a shit. Great yeah. movie scene. I Everyone, remember watching yeah. that. Like, yo, everyone is Holy like, shit. I want to be Neo immediately. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that when he stops the bullets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, that shit time. was dumb hard. I mean, that might be one of the best scenes, like most memorable scenes of all time. Oh yeah. That when he like does the like the, the leans time, back yeah. and he like dodges the bullets, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I guess Trinity was like, "Yo, I'll let you I mean, fuck she, one she, of yeah. my friends. Too. <laughs> we can three it up." He came. She back whispered like, it in, in his ear. <laughs> he came back immediately. Like, what? <laughs> what? What happened? <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> one of your friends. <laughs> like, All right, I'm gonna go fight that agent. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I never really understood how that uh, how that all unfolded, really. Um, but I digress. Yeah, shout out to Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, because that leather suit she was in. Yeah, fire. As a young boy, when you're 12 years old, I've n- I've never I've never been in a leather women, women with leather. Catwoman. Uh, no, Halle Berry. Not Halle Berry's Catwoman. Ruined she ruined, ruined it. Me, yeah, yeah. They, they had like the rips in it, like very. Yeah, like, I don't know. Oh, we were talking about Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle maybe? Pfeiffer's Catwoman. Yeah, was she scared me. What? Especially when she got thrown it. No, when you shook at, at the end when she's wearing the full suit and it's all fucked up and yeah. shit's all crazy. Nah, shit's scary, man. What the fuck? Nah, I like She it. looked crazy. I like that. I was always into darker things. This <laughs> <laughs> is very ominous sounding. All right. But, um, so yeah. let's, uh, speaking about, well, I don't know if this is dark, but it's very interesting. We just watched the video before we started recording. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Francis Underwood. Yeah. Francis Underwood returns. Yeah, yeah, shout out, hey, yeah, give, give him something, give him something. We need, we need to acknowledge. Shout out to uh, F, uh, F U, and I remember yeah. that's because it's what a, that's his cufflink said F U. Oh really? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. Um, so uh, for those who haven't seen it, uh, which I'm not sure who who has, uh, because it like probably just came out this afternoon. But uh, Kevin Spacey dropped uh, a serious bomb on his, uh, I guess, this Twitter or was that uh, Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Twitter. How are you gonna say he dropped a bomb without actually dropping bombs when we got? Oh, sound I did effects? not cue that up, yo, uh, at all. Come on, uh, get on fact, your sound effects game. He dropped bombs. There we go. There you go. There we go. Well done. Yeah, I almost didn't hit it in time. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna leave me out there for a second. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he 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 drops his bomb. He uh 
gives us, and this is his, mind you, this is his return from to social media after a long hiatus. Uh, not that I really checked for anything Kevin Spacey said on social media before now, but um, uh, obviously he had all these allegations of you know sexual misconduct. Uh, and even one stemming from, you know, kind of like an assault, uh, I don't know, assault, maybe, well, I guess it would just be an assault, assault on a minor, an assault of minor. Yeah. During the time. Yeah. The time. Uh, and so, uh, and so anyways, so this is his return to social media. And what he does is he makes about a two or three minute video as, f- uh, Frank Underwood, but the things that he's saying are essentially, uh, things about, Kevin Spacey's actual like situation. Yeah. So it's this weird meta. So he brings kinda... the Frank Underwood character back to life. Yeah. And uses that character to address Kevin's a lot of Kevin Spacey's personal issues. Yes. Which is just brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant, but also now I worry about his mental capacity. You think so? Why? Because. I don't know what the uh, medical, uh, the correct medical term for it is, but I'm almost positive that is the sign of some sort of mental illness <laughs> for you to be a character speaking about your own life. That's got to be something. No, you, so you, I don't know what that's called, but it's got to be something. So before we like dissect it too much, what I want to yeah. do is highlight one thing though. Yeah. How fucking good. Oh yeah. Of an actor Kevin Spacey is. It, it, I, I've never wow listened That's to anything good. on Twitter that closely before. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was hanging off in. of every word. I it was riveting. And 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 this is how good he is. This was done, you know, maybe in his own kitchen. They yeah. just recorded it, threw threw it yeah. up on Twitter. There was no editing in it. It was just one, two, three minute clip of Kevin Spacey just going. He's just in go mode, right? Yeah. And you know, either he. Ad, like just kind of made it up on the fly, which I don't think he did. No, 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 no. He's he a professional. It's, no, because they had the whole bit about him putting the ring back on. It was staged. Yeah, yeah, it was staged. But they didn't have the writers from the show yeah. on it, obviously. It was probably just Kevin and maybe like one or two people, like, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. But that's when you know that someone owns a character. Yeah. When they can just pull it out not they didn't have the writers they didn't have the directors and producers of the show they're not he didn't have the team that he would have if they were actually recording for the show it was just him well i mean when you spend five or six years with a character and you you the the character is such a like a no pun intended the character is such a character meaning that francis underwood is like you know there he's a very particular thing um. Yeah, I would have to imagine that has to be a, a lot. Like you, you, you have to be able to like, yeah, just pull that out of wherever you know. But uh, again, this was just so good. It yeah. feels like it could have been pulled directly from directly House of Cards, from yeah. an episode of House of Cards. Yeah, it was that good. Yeah, it was really. He good. didn't miss a beat. Yeah, not one beat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this makes me wonder. Um, <clears throat> do did. Did uh, the people at House of Cards and or the people at Netflix look at that and be like, "We fucked up." Someone got a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Someone as soon as that within yeah. the first five minutes of that being up on Twitter, yeah. someone got a phone yeah. call. And the phone call is probably like, 
we fucked up <laughs> or you fucked yeah. up someone got blamed yeah because yeah, that shit was nothing but fire like Yo, uh look i, I don't know i want to watch it again yeah I, I don't know uh i'm sure he's done uh a good portion of the things you know he's accused of doing where there's smoke generally there's either a lot of more smoke or fire uh, and so uh, I'm sure he's guilty of something at some point in time, but you have to at some point be able to divorce that from his like, and maybe not divorce it, but you you, you got to call a spade a spade. He's just a fucking great actor. Like he's the, he's the big <laughs> <Come> joker. <on. laughs> like you can't, yo, you can't, you can't. Yeah, deny. he might be a piece of shit in real life. But he's a fucking good yeah. ass actor. And usually whoever has the big joker in their deck is an asshole. Like, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it's the big joker. And, and and he is that when it comes to House of Cards and his character, Frank Frank Underwood, and just how yeah. masterfully he plays that character. Yeah. Like, you know, we were talking before we started recording. And of this most recent season, season six, yeah. I believe, I watched the first episode. I was not one bit entertained. But I was like, yeah. you know what? I've come this far. I have to continue uh, against my will. <laughs> I felt like I was at gunpoint. I watched the second episode. The second episode sealed it for me. I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm done with this. Yeah. And I, usually I don't like to walk away before I finish anything, but this I walked, it's been like two months since mm-hmm. I maybe watched an episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Don't miss it. Yeah. I, I did. I did sort of the same thing. I, I went a little deeper. I, I went, uh, I went to episode five or six. And then I kind of just, I just lost interest. I just was like, I don't, you know, when I'm, you know, finding myself in a moment where I'm like, yeah, I could watch something right now. Like I would see that and I'd be like, that feels like a waste of time, even though I'm just trying to waste time, you know? Um, and I, I will eventually finish it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't feel any sort of hurry. Yeah. And it's not because um, obviously, Frank Underwood's wife, uh, Claire, Claire Underwood, yeah. played by Robin Wright, is not because she took over the show and uh, we're not interested in seeing the female lead. No, it has nothing no. to do with that. No, and in that. fact, I, I would I would even say that I was actually looking forward. I was looking for, like, they, they, out of anybody who got robbed, I think she got robbed the most because I don't think you got to see her story play out fully because of what her story was supposed to be yeah, was yeah, I, I, how I she would take over not just because Frank died, but because she took it from Frank, like she, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess authority that Frank had or whatever power he had, I wanted to see her take it. And that was supposed to be the story of how it shifted from he's, you know, what we're talking about. To it's her. She's the person who's yeah. going to lead. Yeah, everything. yeah. We didn't get to see that. Shift. We didn't get to see the transition. And, and they yeah. just started the season off as in. Oh, the shift happened. Don't worry about when it happened. Yeah. We're not really going to explain it too well. Yeah. Uh, just keep watching. Please. please. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us yeah. here. You know how they usually ask you, are you still watching? Yeah. They just do that like every 10 minutes in the episode. Are you still they're watching? Like, On this next season, can you ask them every 30 seconds if they're still watching? <laughs> can you send us individual information of people? Yeah, yeah, just, and we can call, actually yeah, call them. You maybe? just send somebody to knock on their door and make sure they're still watching. Hey, hey, hey we'll boss. watch it with you. We'll send someone to watch it with you locking the door behind them like oh we don't need to leave either like they'll bring food <laughs> candles 
whatever your type of coffee, dark roast, <laughs> the, the blonde roast, they'll bring you what you need. Just please watch. Yeah. Um, so, so anyways, yeah, yeah. So th- this uh, video that uh, Kevin Spacey has, it was, uh, like I said, it was very riveting. Um, now, like I said, in real life, he's probably an asshole. Uh, and clearly, you know, there's been numerous stories to, to indicate as such. Um, but the thing I found curious about it is it brought up a couple questions with me. Like one, what does Netflix do with that? Like, what do you, how do you react? Like, what do you, do you say something? Because you can't just have him going around playing Frank Underwood all recklessly, you know? Um, when you have no control over that situation, he could just be doing random shit as Frank Underwood and everybody would eat it up because he's Frank Underwood. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Spacey is Frank Underwood. Frank Underwood is Kevin Spacey, you know? Um, so it's not like you can be like, ah, no, that's just some fucking extra shit that doesn't, you know, no. Cause he sounds like him. He looks like him, you know, he clearly we missed his presence in season six. So it was definitely people had a thirst for seeing that, you know? So, if you're Netflix, I don't know what you do. So, you know what this reminded me of? Um, it reminded me of uh, a football game. Um, I think it was like earlier in the football season, like week like six or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Aaron Donald comes just blazing through the middle, sacks Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> and and to me, Frank Underwood or, or uh, Kevin Spacey's, you know, he was like Aaron Aaron, uh, he was Aaron Donald, yeah. right? And and then, yeah. and the creators of uh, House right of Cards is uh, obviously they're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So what happens when somebody just bashes in? You're stretching. You're stretching. Smacks your guy, embarrasses him. Do you know what yeah. you do? Yeah. You don't. You don't cry to the ref and and get, try and get the flag called, or you don't challenge yeah. the play. Uh-huh. You get back in the fucking huddle. You try and ride the rest of the game out. Yeah, but that's just what, it, though. They, that's, there that, are no more huddles for them. They don't... It's not like no, they no, have a season seven of House of Cards coming. They just pretend that it, like, it <laughs> didn't happen. That's all you got to <laughs> do. Just, just pretend you, like it doesn't exist. Yeah. Hey, we just got sacked. Uh, we're going to get back in the huddle. We're going to keep playing the game. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, I mean, effectively, that was a sack to end the game because essentially Kevin Spacey right or wrong essentially gets to have the last word yeah for house of cards yeah because you know nobody's gonna look at this and be like oh no that doesn't count everybody's gonna be like god damn right that counts yeah and i want to actually if you guys can do another season with kevin spacey in it we'd welcome it you know and i can't but like i can't for the life of me believe that all the fans of house of cards were like no you have to get rid of him and we care that deeply i think it was a small group of people that spoke very loudly and you know how like these you know, the companies and these networks and these TV shows, they're all very afraid of public opinion. Yeah. Um, the, and I still think the smarter decision would have just been able to say, hey, we're going to fin- we're going to close this out. We started something. We're going to finish it. Yes. This person's done some very bad shit that yeah. he'll have to address in his own time. But not necessarily that this show is something bigger than, you know, the allegations around his sexual misconduct but you know it's it it's different yeah right like you still let the man work you let him finish his his this project this job he'll pay for this outside of work uh yeah i i think all that is uh 
complicated to communicate. Uh, very right? complicated. So I, I just wouldn't have communicated anything. I'd have been like, uh, essentially, I would have had the same Dave Chappelle uh, from uh, the skit where he's uh, black, <laughs> black bush. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, allegations. What allegations, bitch? Would you clear? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like I, it just knock over the fucking water and run out. Uh, that's essentially what I would do if I was Netflix. Just pretend like I, what allegations? What are you talking about? Who? When? Kevin Spacey? Kevin I don't even who? know Kevin Spacey. I'll be honest with you. Which Kevin are you talking about? Yeah. Kevin Malone? I know a lot of Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the office? Like, <laughs> what are you like, talking about? Hurry up, hurry up. Get the season <laughs> out. Get the season <laughs> out. Hurry up. That's essentially, I'd have been like, and then by the time it got it got too hot for me to handle, then I'd be like, ah, oh, he's already filmed like all of his scenes, guys. It's already we in the can. We just wrapped up season <laughs> six. Wanna, ah, what, what do you want to do? What are you going to do? do? You know? You it's know, already on you know Netflix. What? For you guys, just for you guys, we will take, we'll cross out one of his scenes. Just one. Yeah. It's we'll, for you guys, you know, because we think your voices deserve to be heard. We so. may have killed him off in the last yeah. episode of season six, but you'll have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch to find out. And um, you, you can't watch them out of sequence. Yeah. You have to. It's like episode one unlocks episode two. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Uh, hey, yo, what if, yeah. like, do you think they should do that? Do you think that might happen? I mean, I don't see the really the point because you're like, why would you watch them on order unless it's like fucking Black Mirror or some shit? Yeah, it's like because you'll watch episode six before you've watched episode three, and it's just like you'll be dumb confused. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, I wonder if there are people who do that. If there are people who go and watch, so and I say this because this is how I like people to tell me stories, particularly people who I know are not good storytellers. Like w- when they start to tell me a story, I'm like, tell me the end first. Tell me what happens. Yeah. And then um, if I like, oh, you know, that sounds pretty interesting. Okay, now tell me the whole story. But how can the end sound interesting if you don't know? Doesn't matter. It, it just better sound interesting. Like if the end of it is like, and then she punched her in the face. I'm like, okay, tell me the, <laughs> <laughs> tell me the whole story. It's right? a very strange way of looking at it because I, you know, when I think of well, stories, this is for people who you know tell bad stories. If people tell bad stories, then I mostly women. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I'm just kidding. You're ladies. wild. Kidding. <laughs> How have you not gotten stoned yet? What is happening? Because this How is do you get away? Humor. I this didn't is, mean it. You know this is America, man. <laughs> Jesus. But no, Christ. people tell bad stories and like tell me the beginning, tell me the end first, and then if I like it, I'll. Uh, it's like when they start a movie, yeah, and they show like you know, some crazy shit that happens at the end. Yeah. And then they're like three months earlier. I always love those types of movies. I don't always. I, I think it, just like, just like I was going to say, I think it just depends on the story. Like I, I think somebody who's uniquely bad at telling stories every once in a while can shock you. You know, you have to, that's your choice to make. You gotta, you know, it, if I hear the end of your story, if you say, and then the tiger goes into the pen I mean, thinking, oh my god, this sounds really interesting. But then you could just tell an equally boring story about a fucking tiger. No, if somebody at the end of somebody's story is, you know, then the tiger went back in its cage. I'm like, good, you know. No, because cool. then you know you're because you're again like it's like um if you have like a shock ending, if your film was garbage, then I'm not going to appreciate your shock ending. In, in fact, your story has put so much more emphasis on the ending. That by the time I get to the end, I'm like, there's nothing you can show me right now to salvage this nonsense that I just had to sit through. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do in 2019? Yeah. 
I'm not going to let anybody waste my time <laughs> with bad stories anymore. <laughs> no, if I if I feel like I'm being told a bad story, a bad yeah. story is coming. I'm. Uh, what did what did the the was it the governor, the senator of California say? Um, the black woman, Maxine uh, Waters. Waters. Oh, I reclaim. I'm reclaiming my, <laughs> I'm reclaiming my time. You're not going to tell me this shitty story. I'm reclaiming my time. Uh, yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I I think that I don't know. I I, I think I don't usually care. Like it, because if you if you're trying to tell me a story and I think it's just boring. I'm usually thinking my mind's elsewhere anyway. So I like, look, like I haven't paying attention. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really I'm not, I'm not hearing a word you're saying. But I don't even want to do that anymore. I no, even, I like I, that because it gives me time to like process. It's like it gives the you processing I wouldn't do otherwise. <laughs> when you're thinking in your head, like, hmm, I need to deduct that on yeah. my taxes this year. No, like, you know how they say, like, sometimes you need some front round task in order to background process certain things. Like you just need something to distract you just enough to where you're in your mind you're like figuring shit out that you wouldn't be able to figure out if you devoted all your attention to that thing. Yeah. That's I have that constantly. What was that movie with Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling? Um, oh, Crazy Sexy Rich or something like that or not no, uh Crazy Stupid Love. Was it Crazy Stupid Love? Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell, yeah. I actually okay. really like that movie. That's why I remember. Yeah, that no, that was a good one. Um so remember like his whole like date advice was like or he he would be on dates with these women, right? And then um, let's say one of them was telling a boring story. He would just be like, "This is very boring." Yeah. And then he they would be like, "Uh, okay, well, like, yeah, what else?" And then he would just ask him like, start a more interesting conversation or ask them a more like interesting question. That's what I'm doing from now on. Yeah, I think that works in theory until you meet the person who's just like, "Fuck you," and then throws a chair at you. Well, then I just saved a lot of money <laughs> on that date because we can get the check. All we had was a water with lemon. I'm straight. And first of all, I'm you, reclaiming my time. And first of all, you made water. Say for not they say water. No, you just said water. No, a water with lemon. Oh God, that's how I said. Yikes, water. No, no one really emphasizes water. the T. No one says water. Can I have a water? If I if I'm with That's someone, they order spent. a water. Water. Bring are us are the you check. From, too. Are you from the Bronx? What do you? Water. You're from a water with lemon. A water. <laughs> sounds, sounds like uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it sounds like you're trying to do a J Lo impersonation or something. J Lo. Yeah, she's from the Bronx, isn't she? Jenny from the Bronx. Not isn't it Jenny from the block? Bronx block. Yo, you, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this right now. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I actually meant to say because they came out with a movie we, with each other recently. Uh, I meant to say Leah Remedy. Who's that? Remedy, the, the lady from uh, King of Queens. She's a wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So her and J Lo have I never really a, cared much for her. Really? Yeah, I don't Why? think she's that like special of an. Of an I, yeah, I've seen I a lot of good. King of she's Queens. She's what she does, and she's ex Scientologist. So. She definitely oh, has yeah. some information. That shit was interesting. Yeah. Where she like divorced herself from the school of Scientology and then she yeah. was like outing them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm surprised they didn't send yeah, shoes. Yeah. I, I would have thought for sure they would have sent those out. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, and this is how I knew the uh, Church of Scientology was weak because you can't talk <laughs> about, uh, you know. Yeah. Like the mafia. Yeah. You can't, like, you can't yeah, yeah. just get out. Well, I, I I think it's because she wasn't even she in so, she, she so, was saying this shit on TV. Well, she she's so 
like she's so much of a public figure that if she yeah she ends up missing that's why you shit. send a public message you knock her block <laughs> off no one talks about Scientology anymore hey but but, but they let it slide now they look yeah. weak now they gotta cap somebody nah I, nah you don't want any smokers they gotta rock yeah, they'll, they'll fuck your life up for no reason well they they didn't fuck hers up I'm pretty sure they tried to they in didn't very she's ways. still out here doing interviews she is but at the same time like i don't i don't like maybe they're like ah no one really if it was like someone bigger who's in who, like Catherine in, in like Catherine um not zeta jones but uh not heigl who's the chicken um atomic blonde oh uh charlize theron yeah wasn't she Scientologist. No, I think you're thinking of Nicole Kidman because Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. Nah, I just thought she was a Scientologist. Oh, <laughs> all right, you're fair <laughs> enough. Or, or hey, but if Tom Cruise was like talking all that shit on like uh, you know doing interviews talking bad about Scientology, yeah, they would definitely pay a lot more attention because he maybe he's like a bigger well, star. He's, he shines a little course. bit brighter. Yeah. What <laughs> they would have Tom to... Cruise is perhaps the biggest male star in hollywood yeah they would have to somehow hit him from the rooftop still looking like he's 35 yeah he still looks good no he looks like he's held together by you know duct tape and <laughs> no no tom if he, if he he can still take his shirt off in a movie and he looks like halfway i don't think he took his shirt off in mission impossible fallout really yeah, yeah i think good. it's father time he up probably to... did like four times they just edited it out <laughs> Tom, because Tom, Tom Cruise is very in every Tom Cruise movie, yeah. he does two or three things, right? Yeah. He always rides a motorcycle really fast, mm-hmm. even if he's go, even if he goes like three blocks yeah. away, he's always just zipping, right? Yeah, and then he always runs at least half a mile. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, and he did in this one too. Yeah, uh, yeah he did both of those. Things. And and you know yeah. when when he does those things, they uh, especially when he's running, mm-hmm. they always shoot him from low angles so he looks like taller and bigger. Well, actually, they well. That's a Tom Cruise thing? No, he, he does. They always shoot him from low angles. No, I'm, I'm sure that's true. But in this one, they like they showed him running across the bridge. So mm-hmm. like they had like a just wide okay, shot. Okay, a wide shot. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I was about to be like, oh, maybe it was a stunt double. But no, I'm pretty sure he does nah, like all no, of his No, no, he, uh, that's, I, I'm pretty sure it's like a part of his like, Well, he know, broke contract. his ankle. Of, doing uh, the jump. Doing the jump. Yeah. yeah. And they they kept it in there. That's what I like about it. They they kept that particular take in. Oh, yeah, you know he wants that. I'm yeah. tough. I do my own shit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it fucked over the entire but production yeah, he, for he, like for like what, like three months. Yeah, he he's fond of seeing himself ride motorcycles and run in movies. Apparently, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to fight with uh, stats. You just look at the the box office receipts, and you're like, you know what? I think I'm gonna keep riding yeah. these motorcycles and running these. Yeah, even if these the movie half-miles. doesn't call for it, <laughs> yeah. it's a fucking romantic comedy. Yeah. He's still running. And Imagine <laughs> if uh, Tom Cruise was in. Um, motherfucking like the notebook <laughs> that shit would be so action packed been running across Holy that fuck. like lake <laughs> he would have dove off the side of the house like oh, yeah. multiple times they, they would have had to show 15 minutes of just him building that house <laughs> by himself and he's like it's like fucking like uh it's like when noah like came with the flood it's like yeah. it's flooding for some reason and <laughs> he's still working on he's the house still hammering nails. <laughs> yeah. it would have been very a very intense love has yeah. he ever done a love movie yeah, yeah. Okay, you're like, you're forgetting like a, you're forgetting young Tom Cruise. Old Tom Cruise is all about the action, but uh, like a, like a like a Notebook type movie. Yeah. Uh, so he had basic. No, no. I was gonna say Basic Instincts. That's not. No. Um. Okay. It, it it wasn't like a romantic movie, but it was just a weird movie. Stanley Kubrick's uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then 
also it was like Vanilla Sky. No, that was more like a thriller. No, Vanilla. It was a thriller, but it was kind of like a love story. Okay. Because it was yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just a really weird. You know what? A lot of people hate Vanilla Sky for some. We we need a let's talk about real quick about movies that people don't like that we don't understand why they don't like them. I don't know why people don't like Vanilla Sky. You know what? I I feel like I've seen the movie two or three times, but always in bits and pieces. I don't know if yeah. I've ever watched it all the way through. Very interesting movie. You got to check it out. You got to check it out through and through. Had uh, who was in Pen- Penelope Cruz? Penelope Cruz, Cruz, Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it for the the big hitters. Oh, and Jeff Bridges. Okay. I think is that Jeff Bridges or Kurt Russell? It's one of the two. I'm gonna go Kurt Russell. It's I Kurt like Russell. Jeff it's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Kurt Russell's in it. Yes. Yeah. What's another one like? A movie people hate. I, well, I just watched one today. It's, I'm sure people don't know about it, uh, or it's not that widely known because it just came out this year. But uh, it's called uh, Life Itself. I watched this morning. Yeah, and I actually really liked it. And then I went to go see like what the reviews were for it after I watched it. It was like a 12 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like really. Look, I've seen some pretty bad movies. This wasn't that bad. Like, like, like besides the fact that I liked it, I was like just. As a movie, like it, it works perfectly fine. Got as a job movie. done. Yeah, yeah. So I don't understand the twelve percent score. It's yeah, really weird. So we, I was literally having this argument last night with like four people about yeah. John Wick, mm-hmm. and like I feel like some people love it, like love it, love it, or mm-hmm. they hate it. They're like oh, it was a shitty movie, blah blah blah. Mainly because like people are indifferent about Keanu Reeves. Some people yeah. love him. Some people like hate him. Yeah. John Wick was just a good ass movie. Um. But people knock it because I like, wouldn't say it's a good movie. I would say it's an. Yeah, I, I can't say it's a, a good movie. Great movie. No, I'm not even gonna go good. I'm gonna go great. It was great. Not what like was the great about Titanic. It. Great. Yeah, but 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 again, what what makes it a great movie then? What's yeah. your what's your metrics for it, great movies? It was just. Now again, not great in terms of writing in terms of cinematography <laughs> in terms of anything <laughs> that makes it a movie in, in terms of. Um, I, and this isn't even a word here, but like just the 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 viewing experience. It was just a good movie to watch. If you're into that, like you know, shoot 'em up, run and gun action stuff, it is just a very entertaining movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen John Wick maybe like four or five times. Yeah. And if it's on TV, I'm gonna watch it because it's just so good. Good story. I just I like Keanu Reeves action is great and like you can tell like and he did the majority of his own stunts throughout that movie and i love when you can tell like the actor is like he's ingrained in the film and he's really uh he really took on the character yeah i love that about john wick yeah um john wick is for me like watching a steven seagal movie it's a movie bro mark for death no yeah but that's what i'm saying Classic. It's John a, it, Wick is it, a classic. It's a classic, like action fighting movie. It's classic. I can't say it is for me. Like I, 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 I John just, Wick I'm not two really maybe John not Wick so fan. much. Yeah. John Wick one classic. It, it was and, and and I haven't seen two, so maybe I can't speak to it. At least a lot of two. Like I've seen parts of two. I haven't seen the whole thing. But yeah, I would have to imagine two just is probably not as good as one. But for me, one was even. It was cool. It. What I would I would put on the same pedestal as uh, Constantine. 
Mm-hmm. I remember when Constantine first came out, I was like, God damn it. Why isn't he doing Matrix 4? You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but then after a while, I kind of grew an appreciation for Constantine. Yeah, you know, I Constantine thought it was a was good, good movie on its own. Um, but I wouldn't. It was it was cool. Like, uh, I like Constantine. I did. If I it's on, another movie, if it's on TV, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I mean, again, it young Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before he uh, before the drugs really started taking their toll. Um, uh, or maybe during, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I can't look at a, or, or, and maybe we can put that into the category of movies that people actually, cause uh, there's a, a big base for John Wick. Huge. I mean, people are, the streets is looking for John Wick 3. They really are. They're, you know, when the photos dropped of, uh, him and Hallie, him and Hallie in the desert. Yeah. They got the, with the German shepherds. Yeah. And you're just wondering, oh, does he get the fuck Halle Berry in this movie? (laughs) I hope he does. I hope they wrote that in. (laughs) Uh, well, fair enough. Uh, uh, Ah, well, fair enough. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, Another movie. Well, so uh, talking about that same, you know, movie, uh, Life itself. You going Cloud Atlas? I thought like because we mentioned Halle Berry, and then you were gonna go Cloud Atlas. No, that is a movie that everybody believes sucks. That was just trash. And uh, yeah, that that's a movie that everybody believes sucks, and does. rightfully, yeah, it does. Did that it's, movie costs like. 600 million or something like that uh i don't know what it costs but i'm sure it costs somebody their job uh, <laughs> at the end of it i wonder what is the biggest most expensive movie in hollywood history that was just a massive failure uh i think that's the lone ranger i want to say either that or uh fuck there's with one. army hammer and yeah and, uh, that one Depp. was a pretty big one and then there's uh, there's the one with uh, the guy from Friday Night Lights who with the long yes, hair, Taylor yes. Kinnish, um, Taylor Kinnish, where they were like on a bunch of different planets John, and John, uh, John, something of Mars. Yes, like oh fuck, it's gonna come to me. Yeah. Um, but actually, if that that's a that's a weird movie because it, I actually really like the movie. Like, I I don't just think it's a cool. Movie. I think it's a I would start stop short of calling it great, but it's a pretty good movie though. Like, have you watched it? Yeah, yeah. John, damn it, something of Mars. Yo, I'm I'm searching hard for it right now. John Carter of Mars. John Carter, I think it was just John Carter. Yeah, but like the the it's like made after a book, and the book is like John Carter of Mars or something like that. So in 2012, uh, yep, the movie was just called John Carter. Okay. Yep. That's it. Gotcha. Like, yeah, it, it was definitely entertaining. Yeah. Um, I thought it was. I, a, I remember. It was a good movie. I, I don't know if good. It's like, again, it's good to watch, but yeah. when you really like look at it, yeah. and, and you really like put some thought into it, you're yeah. like, well, some of the acting this was, was uh, it left a lot for wanting. I'm not gonna lie to you, but, uh, uh, but yeah. Anyways, I I thought it was a pretty decent movie. Um. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to think of some other movies that were like movies that I personally liked, but that everybody else didn't fuck with because of like their reviews and shit. Uh, Tron, I love Tron. Mm. I think that's a really good movie. Although I understand the gripes against it, it's not a very good story, but looks gorgeous. I mean, yeah, cinematically, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah, uh, uh, Friday night, uh, not Friday Night Lights, uh, Monsters Ball. 
Everybody likes Monsters Ball. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it too much. Oh, so that's a movie that's popular that you're saying isn't you don't think is a good movie? Yeah, I think like uh, again, I think that Monsters Ball was another movie that people were um, kind of torn. Some people were like, "Oh, it was incredible, it was amazing," but some people were just like, "Nah, it was uh, it was an iron movie." Yeah, I'll be honest. With you. Yeah, that was it. Some people. Yeah, I think it's because they had Billy Bob in it, and then and then Hallie, and Hallie. then there was that like very intense scene. Yeah, sex scene. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Monster Balls fan. No, me neither. I, I I thought I, you know I'm not gonna try to shit on it, but it just wasn't my. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a movie that if anybody ever says they didn't like it or it wasn't like a great movie, mm-hmm. I might start swinging. <laughs> I might. I might just jab, jab, a hook. All right. Well, Training Day. Yeah. Are you about to fucking say Training Day wasn't good? <laughs> no, no, Training Training Day was a shit. Okay, uh, I mean, because you were very no. Like, I'm you know, trying to I'm trying to figure out where to put Training Day because, like, like what category wise or no, 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 like uh, on my hierarchy of like, do I consider it a great movie? Like, I I think I think of I think fondly of Training Day mm-hmm. when I think back on it, but then when I watch, it, I'm like, oh, this is a pretty good movie, not a great movie, but talking about it. Yeah, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. I I think even if training if you don't put Training Day on your list of great movies, I'm yeah. fine with that. But you have to put it on the list of great performances. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Both Ethan by Hawk. Denzel and Ethan. and that's what I was thinking of the other day. He's the person in First Reformed. I don't know why I couldn't think of his fucking name. You are Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of his name the other day when we were talking about that. somehow we got on the topic of First Reformed, and I just couldn't think of his name. Anyways, um, so yeah, they they gave outstanding, but everybody yeah. gave outstanding performances. Uh, I remember they had the uh, the whole crew, and they had like was it Common was one of the guys. Uh, it was Dr. Dre. Oh, Dr. Dre. Okay. And then, uh, and then they had, unless I'm just remembering the wrong movie, but, uh, they had the guy who like, he acts in all like the, the movies where he, it's a, he has, he's like a felon. Usually, With Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. yeah he's yeah, the yeah. Sandman. He played the Sandman. Yeah. yeah and, uh, Death, uh, Death Warrant. Um, yeah. I believe that was, uh, so he was in it. Uh, yeah. Everybody gave some pretty solid performances, you know, and, uh, 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 who else was in it? Wasn't uh, Eva, uh, Ava Mendez? Ava Mendez, she was in it, right? Yeah, because she was the uh, his his girl, yeah, uh, Denzel's girl. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that yeah yeah you you yeah you, you can't not like Training Day. I mean, although you know another cop movie that a lot of people seem not to fuck with that much, even though I thought it was an excellent movie, is uh, End of Watch. I thought End of Watch Yo, was an excellent great movie. movie, and people were like, yeah. It's passable. Who the fuck didn't like yeah. End of Watch? I don't know. Again, and, and it was the same. I think it's the same director that directed Bright, mm. that directed End of Watch. Uh, David uh, Ayers. Sounds about right. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to check you on it. You, just, you, you immediately like, yeah, 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 I guess so. Yeah, yeah. If you say so. Um, yeah, I think David Ayers. Uh, I might have that wrong, but I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, End of watch, yeah. People don't see, apparently don't uh, don't don't uh, speak too highly of. Uh, but you know what movie they do speak highly of? I need. I, I want to guess. You want to guess? I want to guess. Okay, I thought you were queuing up some 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 noise there. Yeah, I was. And yeah. I was hoping you'd <laughs> help me stall because my phone. Jesus, have it queued. Yeah. Um, what are, are we are we doing Roma? 
Absolutely, we're doing Roma. Yeah, we yeah. need the fucking horns to do so. We got another press play coming at you guys. This was a at good your one face. Too. This is a good one. Yeah, very interesting movie that we're going to talk about. Yeah, here. or at least it's going to be a good press play uh, segment review. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we've got another press play for you guys, uh, just for you, just a little Christmas Eve, a little gift under the uh, podcasting tree. Uh, we uh, watched a film. We just watched a film, actually, uh, Roma, and it was directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Even though I try to put a little twang on that, I uh, probably still pronounced it wrong. Um, but it was both written and directed by uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, that sounds right, Cuaron. You yeah, put, no, a bit of, no, you put some spice on it. Yeah, yikes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a bad thing uh, to say. I, I don't know if it was or was it. It just no. felt bad. It, no, <laughs> somehow it felt a- offensive. Everyone's yeah. so sensitive yeah. these days. No, put some spice on it. But I felt it. like that specifically was uh, was offensive. No, I, I couldn't I don't, tell I don't you exactly he, why. I don't think he would uh, be offended by yeah, that. Fair enough. Um, but this is the same gentleman who brought us uh, wonderful films such as Gravity, Children of Men. Uh, and I think he even directed one of the uh, Harry Potters. Uh, Harry Potter. I don't know why I said Potters. Like it's you know multiple <laughs> yeah. Harrys out there. Uh, Harry Potter film. Um, so yeah, uh, and you could really tell. And we're gonna get into this a little later when we talk about like the cinematography, uh, photography, and stuff. Cinema. Ugh, why can't I fucking yeah. talk? Cinematography. cinematography. I said I keep wanting wanting to say cinema photography. And that's clear. Don't it. say that. <laughs> um, but uh, you could tell that he had you know his handprints all over this film from uh, from from a cinematography standpoint, uh, simply because of the well, we'll, we'll talk about. It. I'm not going to ruin it. Um, okay, so. Uh, just to give you guys uh, some background, uh, this is a, a story that chronicles a year in the life of a middle class family's uh, uh, their maid, uh, who she, her name was Cleo. Cleo. Um, yep. uh, it's a it's a it's a sort of a, it chronicles her year uh, in Mexico City in the early 1970s, um, and that is a very apt description of the plot of this film. Literally, that's. That's everything it. you need to know yeah. <laughs> about the plot. You don't need to know anything <laughs> more. That's it. Because <laughs> it's exactly as it describes. It just literally just shows. I think it shows the family through her, through her lens, through her eyes. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, and it's definitely not about the family that she's working for. It's yeah. about her working for this family. Exactly. Um, and uh, so let's get into it. Let's get into the plot. What do we what do we think about the plot? I I really like movies like this where it chronicles a a short period of time. Yeah. You know whether it's like a day in someone's life, a week in someone's life, a year uh, in in this film's particular case, and it it shows like it tell both tells a great story and shows a series of really impactful events mm-hmm. throughout that short period of time that give you into insight into who this person might be like you know, in their entirety. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about movies like saw, right. Mm-hmm. And I know we're completely different genre, completely different movie, but like a movie that was filmed in one room, mm-hmm. one room that movie was filmed in. And it went on to be like, you know, called classic. This movie, it, obviously it wasn't filmed in one room, but it captures one year and these very defining moments throughout the course of one year. Yeah. I well, really love that angle. 
what I liked about it is that it both gave us the defining moments as well as uh, the anything but defining moments. Yeah, yeah. You know, washing um, the dishes, just w- doing extremely mundane sort of regular things. But it 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 sort of sets the table for you, right? Uh, and it's very. It, this isn't the type of movie where you can go into it thinking that hey, I want a lot of twists and turns, and I want you know a lot of things to grab my attention. This is, and and. Uh, it's almost impossible to talk about the plot without talking about the cinematography because it, it played such a heavy role in how the story was told was how the camera moves throughout the entire film. It's uh, it, it, it lends to this sort of um, cinema uh, verte sort of style where you're just seeing somebody's life. It's not like they're trying to make this glitzy and you know glamour filled it's just you're seeing somebody do just live their fucking life um and and her story it was it was i mean a lot happened (laughs) in this year of hers but i feel like you can take a year from anyone's life maybe just a year in which a lot of events happened and like make a pretty interesting film about it absolutely It, it may not be like some blockbuster movie but it could be like you know if you just think back on your you know or you know, for me, for example, my 29 years, I could probably think to a year in my life in which, like, hey, a lot happened in that year, and then make a film about chronicling all of those events. And again, uh, they're gonna be high moments, like, whoa, like that, that was crazy. And then there are gonna be those low moments where it's like, yeah, all I did that week was go to work, you know, <laughs> yeah, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And and you're gonna get that, you're gonna see that, you're gonna yeah. see like my ordinary life, you're gonna see those like very defining moments. Yeah, and I and I think that that's an interesting thing to try to explore and it's a a tricky thing to try to get right because you risk the uh you you risk the chance of boring your audience you know to death where you know you just see these mundane things so by the time you get to the sort of um defining moments and and moments that are you know and and what was great about the plot of this film is is that uh so it shows us this you know uh year in the life of cleo this maid in this middle class family's home in 1970s mexico city um but it's relatable in the way that she doesn't she's almost like a she's almost us in her own life meaning that she's a very passive character you know which lends to um it, it lends to this style of storytelling yeah because if she's a character who likes to make decisions who's always on the move who's always pushing forward then it's the the action picks up right because mm-hmm. she's always getting into something there's always something happening but with a character that's more passive you get a chance just to Oh, wake up, do the job. Yeah. Clean up, go home. Where life kind of like pulls you in certain directions exactly. versus like seeing a story where someone's like making decisions and heading yeah. in directions. And this is, you know, and you see a lot of movies like that. And this one, you get to watch someone just, they just have a job and they have yeah. to go to work and they have to deal with their own personal things yeah. while maintaining this, you know, for her was, a, you know, somewhat of a pretty demanding job. Yeah. No, extremely demanding. And obviously, you know, no, 
didn't pay her well enough and yeah. for all the things that she sort of meant to the family it just you know she clearly wasn't uh uh i don't think she was as valued as she should have been you know there are a couple of key moments in the film where you're like damn that's you know you can see how much they care about her because yeah the, i remember the, uh you know and if i at this point have to say spoiler alert for anybody then it's, yeah you're stupid so uh there's a scene where she uh she's about to give birth and the father for the family is a doctor and he's sort of becoming an estranged from the family and he sees her and he's like oh you could tell he's like oh man you know you're about to give birth moment where she needs him and then they're like oh yeah do you want to be there and he's like no, I got a meeting. No, yeah, uh, <laughs> I got something to do. Something to microwave. I, I got to send this text. I spilled my coffee earlier. I got to get another uh, one. So, so you know what that moment for me was like yeah. in this movie where um, there was a scene in the movie where the family is sitting around and they're watching like um, you know a, a TV show. Right? Mm, it looks like yeah. a sitcom. Yeah, and you know she's going from one side of the room to the other, cleaning up after the you know their dishes and their cups, and um, she takes a moment. And she sits down to, you know, enjoy this this show, this sitcom with the family. And she looks like she's really enjoying herself. She's a part of the family. She's laughing and having fun. And then the wife um, just says, hey, uh, go make a tea for the, for the doctor. Yeah. You know, like basically just like excusing her from the room. Like, you know. You don't need to be here. Yeah, you're not really a part of the family. You don't need to be here. There's yeah. something else you can do, which is make that tea. Yeah. And I'm like, for me, that was like, damn, she's, she's valued, of course, but only so much well or at I, least I they make she, a point to show her like you're not a part of the family you work for the family I, well i think that's obviously how the parents sort of viewed it but i think the kids viewed it much differently where or maybe they didn't i don't know because they kind of used her like literally in that same scene the son goes oh no she's here for me yeah like you know almost like she's like this fucking like teddy it's bear totally, that she yeah. can just you know kind of whatever uh so yeah like i i think the plot of this movie it was it's a slow burner Mm-hmm. But I think yeah, put a pot of coffee can, on the yeah. stove, <laughs> a dark roast, <laughs> yeah, something with a, a the high caffeine. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, you might want to try uh, Mountain Dew or something uh, to get you through, or Monster. Um, but uh, she like it's a slow burn. But if you get yourself through, I, I would say the first third of the movie, mm-hmm. it, it it is well worth the payoff. I yeah. think a lot of the scenes, like I, I'm like it goes from really sort of boring to like, Oh shit. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> Very quickly. Too. Um, yeah. I Things remember escalate quickly. Yeah. Literally like at a certain point, the movie was dragging and I started to think like, Oh fuck. Like how far along are we? Yeah. You know, Jesus, like this movie is like you said, a slow burn. And then mm-hmm. like maybe 30 seconds later, I'm locked in. Yeah. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. Like, what's, yeah. what's happening right now? And like, yeah. like it, yeah. it just flipped and, and it, it didn't do it too obviously. Yeah. It wasn't like, all right, here's, here's where it we're, was- you know, it wasn't like, here's where we're going to, something's going to blow up or, you know, something crazy is going to happen and then we're going to jack up the intensity of the film. It was like, this is just an event that happened throughout the year in her life, which just happens to be a very, again, impactful Intense, event. Yeah. But it, again, it wasn't, it was just done. It was, it was so smooth and so clean how, the you know it went from zero to 60 yeah 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 and and i think that that's what i enjoy most about this type of movie is, is that it'll lull you to sleep 
but then when it hits you in the mouth, it fucking hits you in yeah. the mouth. But it does it in such a organic way. It's not. Uh, it, it's not as if they. You, you know, these this event is plucked out of nowhere. They set the groundwork mm-hmm. really delicately for you. You know, they they build you up to it, um, and it makes sense within the story. It's not something that just is like comes out of a left field. Yeah. You know. So I think this is. Uh, I was having this conversation with. Uh, it might have been you. I don't know. I, f- I forget who I was having this conversation. Oh no, no, it wasn't you. It was, it was, I remember who it was now. Um, I was having this conversation of okay. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, is he a good director or not, right? And my argument was that he's a good director. Like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. Did you just have a stroke? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Yo, you had a, I might a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt it coming on, too, and I was like... If we were in the Matrix no right way. now, this is where I'd run, because you're an Asian. That was a glitch. There are no glitches in the Matrix. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, M Night Shyamalan. He's a good director. Uh, but he relies so heavily on twists and turns that are completely sort of left field, right? Um, that's why I can't rewatch his movies. I can only watch his movies once before I'm like, cool. Never going to see that again because it's going. It's not going to have the same value to me. Yeah. Sure, the shock was worth it the first time, but each visit upon that. I just I don't care. I care less and less about your movie. Number uh, the first example I'll give is uh, Signs. Mm-hmm. First time I ever watched Signs, blown away by the movie. I thought it was the greatest movie ever made. Watch it again. Like this is nonsense. This is complete nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was smoking when I watched this, but it was strong. Whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but like, doesn't that the isn't wouldn't that be the case for a movie that again is built off of like plot twists and turns? No, right? but but the I, second time around, yeah. you know it's around the corner. No, no, because like, so look, I, I can I can down. watch I can watch the Dark Knight from now until the end of time and never get bored. But that has like just a much bigger story. It's Batman. It's it's a great no, Batman for, movie. Take take even Batman out of it. It's just a great movie. I mean, yes, yes, definitely. And and Nolan has has done it time and time again. I wouldn't right? compare. I wouldn't use Batman. Oh, okay. For this one. So, I, have you ever seen Moment, uh, Memento? No. Okay, so a, a Memento is another movie that I could watch over and over again, and it has, but it has the twist. Like literally, the movie is basically told in reverse. And so you're basically reverse engineering somebody's day, mm-hmm. but it's sort of being told still forward. It's very sort of complex, just as Nolan always does, very sort of complex and weird. But it's it, it's sort of like a shock kind of thing of you're finding out with each scene that goes by, something's being revealed of the story, even though it's being told in reverse. And it's shocking, kind of like, oh, shit, like this is how it sort of ends up. But I could watch it again and again and again because of how he layers the story that it's not just I'm shocking you just to shock you. The things make sense within the story and they mean something to the story. It's not just a left turn for a left turn sake. And I think that that's the difference between uh, an approach like that and M. Night Shyamalan. And the reason why I even bring him up in this case is because I can I could watch Roma again and just pick up so many other things from it that I didn't even catch the first yeah. time <laughs> and you, enjoy it. You know? watch it again? Yeah. Just not now or uh, anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I have another week off of work, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I would need I'll watch that. You to inject the coffee <laughs> <laughs> directly yeah. into my veins. Yeah, no, it's, but, it's, but it's again, it was a great movie, 
slow burn. Yeah. Yeah, but I but I but I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it, and uh, you know uh, I think the plot had a lot to uh, to do with that. Um, what do we think about the uh, the characters? So I'm gonna highlight two of my favorite characters. Sure. Really and and just before you do that, uh, Luis Rosales is the casting uh, director or the casting by credit for this film. That was nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that you threw that in there. <laughs> well, I try, I try to do that before each category so that uh, at least we can give the people their just dues. Yeah. Um, so th- this movie, was the, the characters were really interesting because I had I struggled throughout the movie to, f- you know, recall like, hey, who's Mexican and who's white. Yikes. And, no, I mean, honestly, like I, the, the family looks like, you know, a white, maybe like European family living in Mexico. Right? Yeah, I didn't quite understand that. Uh, and I think that we, I would have yeah, to Yeah, motherfuckers, so don't say yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounded shocking, I'll be honest with you. Um, I, 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 this movie makes me want to go do some homework because there are a couple of key events that I was like, oh, like, was that an actual thing in Mexico City around that time? Yeah. Um, but anyways, proceed. Um, so so that was like, you know, I, I was wondering, like, is uh, Cleo, you know, is she uh Mexican maid working for this like white European family living in Mexico or, or was the family Mexican too just um of like a, a lighter skin color right which is a, a thing in different parts of the world like in sure. Brazil you know the people in Brazil who are darker skinned are treated much differently than yeah but not Brazilian to that people degree are. I think they they literally just look like a white family like yeah. it it doesn't look like they like it looked like they, somebody just plucked them out of like fucking like switzerland and yeah. plopped them in the middle of a. but, but i'm, I'm going City. through uh, imdb here of like the children yeah and um you know the majority of them look i believe i believe they are spanish like the mother um uh well they they with how fluently they spoke spanish yeah the it, mother it um who's played by uh, mariana de tavira yeah, uh, who plays uh, Signorina Sophie, mm-hmm. Sophia, the mom? Uh, you know, I would have just looking at her. I would, I would think like, oh, she's probably like a you know a white actress, maybe American, European, or something like that. But yeah. no, she is. Um, I believe she is Mexican. Well, as well. what I'm saying is, like, I, I think there's something that ha- either might have happened or led to like during that period of time to like lead to like these super white looking people <laughs> yeah. living in that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm yeah, terrible what was going at on in, in Mexico City between 1970 and 1971. Yeah, um, but I'm sorry. Were you gonna? Because I was gonna. I was gonna. No, 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 go my, ahead. My characters. Yeah. So one of my, and this is necessarily not a character, but like a, you know, a very prominent figure in the movie were the animals, the dogs. Mm, yeah. Uh, damn. Uh, what, 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 is what was the dog's name? Um, Barrio or something like that. Uh, Brasso or something. Yeah. So I think the dog, interestingly enough, had like you had the glitch too. Yeah, <laughs> I got stuck. Um, the the dog was a big part of the movie, right? Yeah. For me, like I always noticed the dog. Like where's well, the I dog? I always noticed the dog shit. Yeah, is what I that too. Say. I'm like, yo, why don't they ever clean up? <laughs> they the, do, the and then the dog just ends up shitting just, there again. But it was like twelve shit, right? <laughs> yeah, what are they fucking feeding this dog? Like, yeah. just change its diet. It I shouldn't it be was, shitting that much. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that when the father um, was leaving, and you know, after you know, we then figured out that he was leaving for good, that he stepped in the dog shit on his way out. Yeah, yeah, it was very uh, maybe very that was symbolic, maybe yeah. not. But I, just, I think it was very well placed. Yeah, looking back at it, it was like okay, you know, that, that might make a little bit of sense. Um, 
when the family went uh, on that like family vacation. I think it was like during the holidays where they were out in the country and they stayed at the big house. Yeah. And there was a forest fire. All the dogs who lived on the property, mm-hmm. like they, um, what is it called? Where they like cut their heads off and put it on a wall. <laughs> oh, the uh, yeah, I don't know, but you just described it pretty yeah. well. So <laughs> they, they they stuff it and they um, embalmed embalm it. I guess it's like embalming, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever they do to the it. Person, so yeah. all the all of the dogs who lived on the property, like they, you know, honored them by like keeping them alive in the home and bombing them. I just, I thought that was very interesting too. And for me, it started to click. Like, okay, the the, the dog Brasso. I think his name is Brasso. Yeah. Does that sound right, Brasso? It, it was something, some form of those letters. Yeah. I, I don't know if the combination's correct, but uh, Damn it, we gotta figure out what that dog's name was. Yeah. But anyway, I, I just think the animals played a big part of. Um, of the movie like they had a lot of birds on the property and you would always hear the birds chirping i think like that sound was um well, a pretty prominent sound there wasn't really a soundtrack and i don't we'll talk about that when it gets into music yeah. but there was everything that was and this also led into like why it was just like it was like a, we were just a fly on the wall mm-hmm. looking at her life was because every all the music was practical meaning that like it was in the scene somehow like it was yeah. somebody playing something on a radio like they were driving was, yeah, in the car you know I mean? yeah. or the band walking down the street it exactly was, yeah you know there was not like a overlay of just you know typical... it, it was music you'd hear throughout the year in of, of a random person's life not yeah. you know someone's most people's lives don't have a soundtrack built around it right and this yeah. this movie didn't either yeah um, so my second person who i thought was like Really, a, a really interesting character that I thought was going to have a maybe a bigger role in the movie. Or you're kind of always waiting for something to happen to this character. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I found myself doing was um, Pepe, mm-hmm. who's a young actor. Marco Graf is his uh, um, name. Yeah. Uh, he plays the character Pepe, who's like the youngest boy in the family. He had such a unique relationship to Cleo in the movie. He was the youngest son. Like, I couldn't tell, you know. I'm, I'm gonna. You're gonna hate me for saying this, but yeah. I was like, you know, is he like, is he gay? Is he mm-hmm. like, is something gonna happen to him throughout the movie? Why would I hate you for saying that? I don't know. You're always like very like weird with that stuff. You're always, if you yikes! Use, I was yeah. I was waiting for one of those yikes. Well, they're usually <laughs> well placed because you do say some wild shit so. uh, occasionally. Um, but again, like I, he had such a close relationship with Cleo. Yeah. Um, he was the youngest boy. He was, you know. He, he was one of the more interesting children in the family. So I was kind of like waiting for something to happen to him throughout the movie or waiting for, um, you know, him to maybe have like a, a, a major impact on her in one way or another. I, I don't know if I want to ruin that part, but he was one of the more interesting characters to me. We're, we've already sort of really crossed that bridge. We already told him <laughs> very they don't know, <laughs> specific no. plot they points. They think they know, but they don't know. <laughs> <That> precisely... No. <laughs> 15 minutes in this particular thing happens but um no did you yeah. get did you get that feeling too I, I i i understand where the direction you're coming from but i think plot wise i don't think i would have looked for something to have because he was kind of a in a weird way he was kind of like a narrator of the film in a in a minor way it wasn't like a real actual narrator mm-hmm. but like like so for instance at the beach uh he's continuing 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 to talk to uh cleo 
as she's like going into the water to help the kids Mm -hmm. and you just hear his voice as he's talking to her which is kind of unusual right yeah like it's weird to hear a character who's in a particular scene you walk away from them and you can still hear them yeah even though you're not really paying attention to him exactly you know um, and I'm sure if I go back and actually pay attention to the actual story you was telling instead of freaking out about if, you know, two kids are about to drown or not. Yo, um, I was that was an in intense scene. scene. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yo, yeah. this and not And the happen. camera doesn't fucking break, man. Like, it didn't break that entire scene. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. And, and uh, I, I can't wait to talk about cinematography. Absolutely. It, 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 was, it was clearly one of the best things of the film, if not maybe the best thing of the film. But uh, to talk about the actors and actresses, I would say everybody in this fucking film gets uh, gets my MVP nod because I, they had so many takes where it was there were long takes, mm-hmm. very long. Like, and yeah, I don't want to give it away because we're gonna talk about it here in a second in the cinematography. But with the way that the camera moves, everybody's got to be on point at all times. Yeah, like it's like a fucking circus trying to coordinate everything and make sure everything just lines up just perfectly. Um, and everybody did it with, like, it, to the point like where even the kids, like the kids, just seemed very natural. Yeah, like they just all just seemed like they were just running like around, real just doing, children, doing shit. real family. You know, like I yeah. and, and I think of the you know the one scene where the same Pepe you you were talking about. He's sitting with Cleo on the roof, and they're you know having this conversation and his mannerisms, everything just was like, it's just how a fucking little kid would act. Yeah. He, he got frustrated when she wouldn't respond to him and he's kind of Cleo. And yeah. it was like, you know what I mean? It, it, it just, it felt like, and, and I'm wondering, I want to applaud, uh, Alfonso Caron. I don't know pronounce that right. Yeah, hey, dude, go Girl. with it. It's about confidence. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah all right. he's listening to this. Like, when you say someone's guys. name wrong, but yeah. with confidence, they, yeah. they, they kind of they respect just accept it a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. You're very, uh, you know, uh, forward with your incorrectness. Yeah, you went for it. Yeah. You got it wrong, but you went yeah. for it. Um, so, yeah, um, he, he's having this conversation with, with her, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, this is just a master class in how to direct. I don't know how he got them to be the way that they were, mm-hmm. but it was just amazing to watch, to yeah. watch these kids just run around and just be kids. And with, uh, uh, Cleo, she seemed every bit of a house maid who was very sort of timid, but had her little jokes on the side with her best friend, mm-hmm. you know, and she, you know, when it came for her, when she was dating, how that whole situation played out, she played that extremely well. Yeah. Um, I just I, I can't point to one person in this movie and be like you know you because everybody had to work together it was a, it was a fucking group effort you know uh, and and I can see why this is on everybody's list for you know one of the top movies of the year if not the top movie of the year because it was it's just a great it's a it's a great film from pretty much all aspects yeah they, there's no part of this film that I'm like ah. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, again, even though we keep like, you know, saying it is definitely a slow burn, um, it's still like for me a must watch. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm really glad. At first, I'm not going to lie. The first half hour is like, I'm not sure uh, why I made this poor decision to watch yeah. this movie. But then after that, it, it, the, the payoff, like I said, is, is, is well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an, is, is it's well a, it's an investment. You invest your time in the film. Yeah. Um, once you once you get towards the end, you're like, all right, 
It's well worth Good it. investment. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's move on to my favorite category, at least for this particular film, uh, the cinematography. Let's, yeah. let's I mean, I'm going to let that. you start just because we're going to agree so much yeah. here. And I think like your background just allows you to talk about it at maybe a higher level. Yeah. Uh, so Alfonso Cuaron uh, not only wrote, directed, uh, but he also did the cinematography for this as well, which I think he does that pretty much for all of his films. Uh, like I remember, I think he, I'm pretty sure he did that for Gravity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other movie that he directed, oh, uh, Children of Men, mm-hmm. um, which also has, you know, it was very a very famous movie for all of its long takes. Uh, and I think it kind of started that whole trend. I think obviously Birdman kind of came through and just wrecked the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as like the single takes, but um but uh, uh you know I, I think that he flexed his muscles here when it comes to how to use the camera in this very fly on the wall sort of way and i think the way he does it is uh usually within a couple uh, uh for one he lets each scene breathe meaning that he gives you he uses usually wide lenses throughout the entire film um, and he just puts the you know the, the environment on the screen and just lets you s- just soak it in. Just everything's just happening, you know. Everything's just flowing, and you really get invested. And I think that's how he sort of sucks you into the movie and keeps you watching is because you're just living with people for a second, yeah. and then you kind of forget you're like watching a movie, and you kind of just like, oh, I'm just watching, just like how I would like people watch at a fucking you know if i'm sitting at a restaurant or something mm-hmm. you know that's what i'm doing right now um and he usually does this uh, about two or three ways uh the first way is he puts the camera in the center of wherever it is and the camera moves so 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 uh fluidly too uh it, it really is beautiful um uh, but he puts the camera in the center and he, then he just slow pans yeah uh and i think that that's just and and it, it it's just, it's just like musical like it's just it, I, don't, I don't know how to descri- describe it really it's just like it's like jazz you know uh beating the rhythm of the uh of the scenes that just make you appreciate what you're looking at you know and each scene is just there there are a lot of sharp lines and you know in the in the uh, the set work uh you know uh so everything's sort of like in its own place and you know the 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 structure for each each scene is, is just beautiful um uh and then he also uh um uh slides the camera as well where he just uh tracks the people as they're walking um almost as uh like if you're watching like a 2d like if you're playing like a 2d video game um and uh i think th- that helps when you're traveling right like so yeah. when you're you know in a car or you're uh you know walking with people down a sidewalk yeah i think that's I, just, I think to yeah. where um like the scene where she's in the house and she's waking up the children yeah or uh, either she was waking up the children or she was um going through like room to room um um cleaning mm-hmm. and the camera follows her from room to room and e- even sometimes when she escapes the frame mm-hmm. of the shot the pan will eventually like catch her back, back again. And, and she's That's again, what I'm saying, as, like as if she never left it. Yeah. Catch her at the moment, at that point where you need to like see where she is and what she's doing. Yeah. Um, I particularly love the slow pan and the continuous seating or shooting when she was turning off the lights 
in the house yeah. before she left that yeah. night. And it, it just circles. It just does a full 360 view of the downstairs where she's shutting off all the lights. She's turning on certain lights. Um, and then she leaves leaves the room, leaving the scene. And it just, it was so beautiful. Yeah. It was slow. It was it was appropriate. I think yeah. that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I think my favorite particular like scene was um, uh, when she, uh, at the beach, uh, and and I think it is it, it because I know how hard that scene must have been to shoot. Mm-hmm. Very intense, very emotional scene for everybody involved in it. Yeah, and they got it. And I don't know if this is its fiftieth take that they got that on, but they got an entire. They they didn't cut the camera once, and it's this really intense scene. Yeah, uh, that and they could have, you know, and it yeah. would have still been a good scene. They, I would have been fine yeah, with them cutting it. <laughs> they, they could have cut back to Pepe yeah. on the beach, like looking, you know, yeah. looking on carefully. They could have cut to the kids out in the water. They could have cut to like maybe just like uh, a close up of her face and her facial expressions going through these emotions of like, you know, oh my god, are the kids, you know, in trouble? Are they drowning? But no, no, they just keep you they, right in it, and they this made is really you sit intense. Through the intensity. Of the scene, just like her. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. They, they really sort of put you in her shoes. You yeah, know, you're and, waiting. And, yeah. She's waiting. It's like nobody knows exactly if the kids are okay. And yeah. And, and you have to sit patiently through it. Yeah. I, I mean, I just yeah. thought that was beautiful too. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, and then that also lends to it the fact that, you know, uh, the framing for, for each scene, like I said before, is just top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, that really is on display with the third way that he, he uses the camera, which is he literally just sits it down and doesn't change it at all. Uh, there's one particular scene that I think we both noticed was when she's in the room with, uh, her would be boyfriend, um, shit bag of the year. Um, yeah. yeah what was that name? guy? What was his um, name? Um, uh, Harmon? Or? No, no. Furman. Fer- Furman. Furman, yeah, yeah. Um, sounds a lot like vermin. And uh, it's a very vermin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a scene where uh, they're in this like hotel room and you know, um, the he just sits the camera there and it's looking at Furman as he's doing his thing. And then like he comes towards the camera and then it changes the, like the dynamic of the scene, but he doesn't move the camera or like change anything. Yeah. You know, it's just with the positioning of the characters that he changes and it changes your feel about the scene and lets you understand you're taking a di- And that was really, to me, the first time that we started taking a different turn where I was like, Oh, where is this going? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the first time I could remember thinking that. And I think I remember that sharp sort of change in again, not the camera itself, but the positioning of the characters, mm. which I think is sort of um, more. That's that's I think what they were going for was yeah. it was that they were trying to change the story through um, the positioning of the characters versus just changing the way that they shot it. Yeah, and I think that scene stood out stood out to us so much because um, it, I think it was a very unique scene. Like the cameras just there and sometimes he's very in focus sometimes he's not um and you just allow the you know the actor to like to change his or her depth yeah versus changing the depth of the camera right um but it was so beautiful because it was in black and white yeah so when he got really close to the camera obviously the camera focus changes a bit and then there's the scene gets a lot darker there's a lot more shading um but again, the depth of the camera is not changing. It's the actor kind of like interacting more with the camera. Yeah. Um, 
you noticed it. I noticed it. I can't think of any movie that, or at least nothing comes to mind where I've seen an actor allowed to, you know, start at a distance and come in so close well, the, to the camera. The weird one I'm going to use is uh, uh, Skyfall. I remember that was in Skyfall where you have Javier Bardem's character when he's introduced. Mm-hmm. It was one, maybe one of my favorite villain introductions of all time. Literally how the scene goes is he comes down, I think from this like elevator and you, you, like you're, you literally see the entire room and Bond's sitting in a chair in the room and, and then literally he gets out of the elevator. He starts walking towards Bond talking the entire time. And all the camera does is just slowly punch in on him really? until it gets, like he literally is right in front of Bond's face, and then like he's just right there. But the camera, do- and I don't think that camera really ever breaks mm-hmm. from that. And it, that's the for whatever reason, that's the only one that's coming to mind right now. Yeah, and I love Skyfall, so yeah. I, may, I may have to go back and watch that. Yeah, scene, it's a, one of my favorite introductions of a, of a villain. Um, you know, through through any film. Yeah. Um, but I do want to give you like one of my um yeah. favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not a scene, just because I think it, it happened a few times. But I loved how they shot the scene where the car, you know, the father's car, <laughs> yeah. was entering their very small driveway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily because it was just entertaining watching watching them struggle to park these massive nineteen um, seventies cars in, in like yeah. such a narrow driveway. Yeah. But like the low, like for example, when when they would open up the door, the gate to the uh, to the driveway, right? you would always get like the close up frame of the grill of the yeah. car with the bright headlights on. And, and, and then the, it had the, uh, the King, the, uh, the crown. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the engine was very loud. It was, yeah. it was kind of, to me, it was very symbolic of maybe the father's presence in the house. Yeah. You know, this big loud car comes in that like doesn't really fit in the driveway. And maybe, maybe dad isn't really like, fitting in with the family or the relationship he's having with his wife and he kind of comes in and he's uh you know i remember the argument he had with his wife right where he's just like unhappy you know he's very aggressive which makes sense of why like the car's engine seems so loud in the movie mm-hmm. the car was aggressive the dad was maybe a little bit aggressive that low angle so like you're kind of like looking into the headlights of the car i just really like that scene it, it to me it, it gave a lot of um insight into like you know how dad fits into the family. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked how it sort of treated him like the King, like the King come home, comes home, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody dad's home, you know, and everybody's waiting outside for him, you know, on, on pins and needles. Um, and it really turns out he's kind of just like a douche. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, I, I think one of my favorite parts about that particular scene was, um, how they, they used it to show his particularness, like that, you know, uh, he was very different from his wife where, you know, it showed her, oh, very <laughs> it hurt my heart to see her driving that car. It set women, uh, the, the, any stereotypes of women driving cars, it set them back about 50,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> By this film's, uh, 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 consideration, we should just take just all their licenses. <laughs> uh, or, uh, somewhat accurate who knows though? I'm, not, I'm not taking a no um uh, but no uh so uh it shows the juxtaposition of you know 
he's very particular you know when he's trying again he's trying to fit into this very narrow place and he's like you know he kind of like taps the the wall a little bit side mirror yeah backs up fix it now he's now he's good um and and then with her of the mother driving um and it shows she's just crashing into walls she's just scraping up the side of the car it's all reckless yeah um but then eventually you know when she realizes oh he's not coming back she's like i've got to do this you know and then you know you see they don't even really address it later on in the movie but now she you know later on in the movie she's driving perfectly fine you know and she's not the best still but it's serviceable you know (laughs) also uh when she had to go and get her own fucking car (laughs) yeah because remember he was paying well i guess that was his car um and maybe when she thought he was coming back or he was going to send money, she was like, yeah. I don't give a fuck about this car. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, dad's not coming home. I got to go out and get a smaller, yeah. more manageable car. I, I, I th- that kind of stood out to me too. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I think you said it best. Like the king is home. Dad is home. Big car, very loud, uh, very particular in, in how he parks it. Yeah. And then the family is just sitting there but patiently waiting on him to, you know, finish his very particular parking yeah and i I love the scene of like when you're seeing him in the car like you're not seeing his body you're not seeing his face you're just seeing his hands on the wheel and then the motion of him putting it in drive putting it in reverse you know smoking a cigarette yeah the cigarette is what set it off for me because that showed oh like he's like a pro at this like he's yeah he's good you know um but uh but yeah it's just a very interesting film i i I thoroughly uh you know even now that i'm thinking more and more about it as we're sitting here talking about i'm like that was a that was a dope movie like that was like it wasn't like a fucking blow you away it's gonna like you know uh you know they had a lot of amazing like you know twists and turns just like we talked about at the beginning of it but it's just a really good film um moving on to our soundtrack um, I think I kind of stated this before, uh, but before I even say that, uh, Caleb Townsend and, uh, Lynn, uh, Feinchin, 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 something. Sounds about right. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, just confidence. Uh, they were responsible for the, um, uh, for the, uh, uh, sound, for the music. Uh, they were both the, uh, I think the music director as well as the, uh, I don't know, some other music, something. Um, so let's talk about that real quick. I mean, I'm going to be honest here. The soundtrack to me didn't stand out at all again. And I would say that because maybe there's a lack thereof when it comes to the soundtrack. What really stood out to me was the sounds in the movie and how prominent certain sounds were. Uh, again, I go back to the to the to the scenes where Dad gets home, right? Yeah. And they make a point to make the opening of the gate to the driveway very loud, the car engine very loud, him changing the gears back and forth in the car very loud. Yeah. Um, I think about the scene where she's in the movie theater and she tells uh, Farman that she's uh, pregnant, and he like calls an Uber and bounces on her. <laughs> <laughs> he did he did the equivalent of not even calling the Uber. He just dipped and yo, then called the Uber after yeah. he left. <laughs> he went out, got one of them lime scooters. Like yo, <laughs> I need to go ASAP. Um, but but you, if you remember that scene when she leaves the movie theater, um, it's very loud. Mm. Like yeah. you know, they're they're um, street. Uh, you know, people selling stuff on the street, their kids playing. There's the noise of the city. It's very, very loud. And she's going through this like 
very Shock. yeah. shocking, confusing moment. So you yeah. can imagine how loud the noise in her head is. Yeah, because the, that makes you feel the intensity of it. Of like when something happens like that, like you you just want to be able to think for a yeah, second. Yeah, you just want quiet. You yeah, want to be able to think, but no, like they, she was not afforded that. Because that's right? the, what the world is. Yeah, yeah she is just loud just in her noisy. head. The scene was loud, and then it was a long scene. It it ran on. They didn't cut it short by any means. So just as she's sitting in this environment, going through this like shocking moment, you got to sit in it with her. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and uh, I think that what you say is completely true. And what I'll throw in to, to, to boot with that is that the reason why I think everything was so loud is because they didn't have like an actual uh, uh, like score. They just they used practicals. And I tried to pay attention to this, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of got distracted, you know. Uh, with some portions of the movie, but I'm pretty sure they don't ever use any sort of like, um, any sort of uh, you know, score throughout the entire film. I think that everything is done within the actual scenes. Like, yeah. So if there's music playing, it's because somebody's got a radio on. It's because somebody's playing a song from, you know, uh, you know, uh, in their house or mm-hmm. you know, w- w- like whatever. Like it's it, it's all within it, within the actual. Uh, you know story um, and I think that's amazing you know uh, I think that you, for a film like this to be to not necessarily have a score and to still keep it interesting and to yeah. still keep it like you don't really notice that they don't have a score throughout the entire thing that's a fucking that's a you just created a masterpiece that's incredible <laughs> like you know that's crazy um, so yeah so I, I thoroughly enjoyed the fact that they didn't use you know um, you know some sort of score to make you feel one way or another they made you feel everything that she's feeling yeah which I think was an, an incredible feat one of the points where that stood out to me the most was like after she you know gave birth and uh, you know she had a, a, st- a stillborn I believe yeah um, the whole vibe of the film somewhat mm-hmm. changed yeah. uh, I remember after that scene when they like the, the immediate I don't know if it was the scene immediately after, but where they go back to the house and then they, and this is where they kind of step away from the continuous shooting and the slow pan yeah. to the individual shots, like you know, the cut shot of like the, the kitchen, the dining room, the bedroom, and then where the house is very empty and things are very still and very quiet. Even the street is quiet. Yeah. Um, the, the, the driveway where the dog is usually barking and making, you know, a racket, that's quiet. Everything's very still. Um, and obviously that 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 point in her her life is, is very kind of like dark and still and uh, there's no energy at yeah. that point in her life. Yeah. And how they shot the scenes, the lack of music, kind of like the, the silence of it, mm-hmm. um, it just really, it, it, ma- it made sense. It stuck... Uh, it was reflective of like the point in time in her life. Yeah. Uh, so I, for me, that was one of the scene that was one of the scenes where the cinematography and the score, or at least the lack thereof just paired very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it, everything worked in unison with each other, the, from the lack of a score to the way that it was shot with the cinematography with the acting. I think everything just worked in concert with each other. Um, Altum just make really dope movie like it, it, it's not again it's not something that's gonna like you know this isn't a summer blockbuster this isn't you know something that you know uh, if you're just trying to be entertained for you know two hours for you to go see but it is something that will stop and make you think or make you stop and think 
uh, about, you know, just the way the world works and, and the parallels with other people's lives with our own in terms of the yeah. shit that we go through. And yeah, it's just a, it's just a really good movie. Uh, Very relatable film. I feel absolutely. like, um, you know, and, and not just, for like young women, obviously in this case, she was a you know, young woman going through this like very trying time in her life. But um, e- even, even, even as a guy, right. Yeah. Um, you know, myself, I can look at this movie and very easily and, and simply relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we press play on Roma. Uh, you have to do the same. Just go ahead and press play on that bad boy. It's on Netflix right now. Check it out. Uh, and uh, tell us what you think. Uh, yeah. Let us know what uh, what you think of the film. Uh, I definitely think it's gonna be it's gonna be on my list. I think it's it's made the list. Yeah, you, of, you're gonna be uh, satisfied with your, like you feel like a, a sense of like gratification after watching this film. Yeah, because it's probably not like you know if you're scrolling through Netflix and there's all these like other big movies yeah. and they're dropping uh, Avengers tomorrow. So I, I on Netflix. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. damn, yeah. I got Infinity check that. War. Yeah. Oh, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Roma. What? Roma? Who? <laughs> what film? This is gonna be my second time seeing it. I need that. Yeah. No, um, I've already seen it like four times. Really? Yeah. Nah, I've only seen not it in once. theaters. I saw it once in theaters, and then yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I only seen it once, so it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. That that concludes our press play for the week. Uh, what I'm thinking, I might do. I might start putting these press plays out just uh, on their own uh, on the uh, on the webs. But uh, we'll see. Uh, all right, so we are coming to a close. But before we do, uh, finally, I want to get through this uh, uh, film school. Uh, it's been missing for the last couple of shows, but uh, but I want to bring it back uh, because I think it's a very very good. Uh, uh, it's a very good segment that I think we do. Uh, so before we get out of here, let's wrap up with a uh, another film school. Uh, tonight we're doing casting directors. We're talking about casting directors um, and uh, the ins and outs as far as they go. Uh, I want to try to make this uh, a little more on the speedy side simply because I've got some sleep with my name on it. Um, <laughs> Uh, casting directors, uh, they they organize and facilitate the casting of uh, actors for all the roles in a film. Um, and this can like involve, you know, working closely with directors and producers to kind of like understand what they're actually like looking for, or what they were they sort of like requiring out of, you know, the the talent, which is you know, obviously the actors and actresses. Uh, and they suggest uh, sort of like ideal uh you know, artists for, for each role, uh, as well as like they arrange, uh, doing the interviews and auditions for them. Um, once, uh, once the parts are cast, the, the casting director negotiates fees and contracts for the actors and, and acts as sort of like a liaison between the director actors and, uh, their agents. Um, so uh, some of the responsibilities for the casting director would be in pre-production where, again, they, they act as like the liaison between the director and the producers uh, and the actors. Uh, and uh, they also have to have a kind of a pretty high depth uh, of knowledge uh, about, you know, existing and new talent. Like they have to always basically be on the lookout for like the next fucking Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're although doing there's the, only uh, one Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing the auditions, right? Like the, the casting calls. They're looking through hundreds and hundreds of potential actors to play 
every role in the movie. Yeah. Right. And they have to, I feel like they both have to understand like the, the needs of the, the, the characters in the film mm-hmm. to understand, I, you know, any good movie maybe has what, like, well, not any good movie, but let's say a movie has eight primary uh, actors and actresses, eight primary, like, stars of the film, right? Yeah. Casting directors have to find those eight people out of, you know, the thousands who may audition. Yeah. That's a big job. No, it's a, it's an absolutely big job. Uh, and I think on my notes here, um, that's what I've sort of got jotted down is, uh, you know, matching the ideal actor to each role based on number of factors, such as like the actor's experience, ability, reputation, availability, and box office appeal. That's a lot of things to balance when you're, you know, having a thousand people to like look at, uh, for any particular role. I don't envy the job of people who have to cast these big blockbuster movies because my God, uh, you know, Try saying no to like if Jake D- Gyllenhaal comes into audition uh, for a role. Try saying no to Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm like, you know, I just don't think you're right for this. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think you're good for it. I'm like what? And I, and I'm I Jake love, Gyllenhaal. Yeah, like and and again, and a lot of a lot of actors, you know, the, when, when, some of the bigger movies, right? Um, who was supposed to star in uh, the Matrix? I was reading about this Will the Smith. other day. Uh, Will Smith, but they went. I, I don't know if they went with Keanu Reeves instead. Or uh, I think Will, he turned it down. I think Will Smith turned it down. May have may have turned it down, yeah. and then like you know, how many people other than Keanu may have um, auditioned for that role, and probably big name actors, and yeah, to go with Keanu, who I don't think he's he'd ever done a movie like The Matrix or anything that big before. Uh, he had Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, I mean, he had Point Break. He had yeah. um but again, Matrix was just very different. Yeah, no, from it was, any, it was, anything it, he'd done, anything. Yeah, it was He's just it was just a great movie, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think yeah. anybody really sort of foresaw what the Matrix would have turned out to be. Yeah, but uh, like, I think about like casting directors, like um, there's one Marion uh, Doherty who, yeah, who, yeah um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk about her. In a second. Yeah. you're stepping on my toes here, man. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm um, kidding. It, it's fine. So I mean, she is like I you know I've heard her story. I watched a a, a, seg- a segment documentary on her. It's called Casting By. Was it was called Casting By? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, on uh, HBO. You know, her philosophy behind it was just amazing. Like, having found people, I think she was the one who discovered Danny Glover. Yeah. Um, like actors like Gene Hackman. John Voight. Yeah. Guy, guys who are not um, very handsome. Yeah. You know, they're not like the, you know, the Bradley Coopers of Hollywood where they're just like very good looking and you can kind of just like plug and play them. But they're like great actors who are very relatable. And I, and I loved how... You know, kind of like working men, right? Yeah. Gene Hackman, he's not like some handsome guy, but he's a guy who... Uh, just a great actor. He, he, he's a great actor yeah. who looks like an average person that can kind of become like a chameleon and play any role. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that uh, you have to... Like, it's easy to look at somebody else's job and be like, yeah, you don't really do anything. But I think once you sit down and really think about what casting directors do... Um, they do amazing work, you know, uh, they, 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 uh, it's a really kind of a thankless job too. Cause they don't, they don't even have, um, they don't even have like a category at the Oscars. Yeah. You know, uh, which is bullshit like that. The documentary casting by with, uh, Marion Doherty, uh, or that talks about the life and times of, uh, Marion Doherty. Uh, it, it talks about that at the end that, mm-hmm. you know, she was really a big proponent of getting, um, a category 
for casting directors, which is a mystery. Like they have literally categories for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but somehow, like yeah, the fucking she's casted the, some the Oscar-winning grips. films, right? Yeah. The but grips don't have fucking like you know best grip. Yeah. And you're just <laughs> like what? All right, but um. Okay, uh, some of the myths around casting directors, and we might have kind of touched on a couple of these before uh, or, or early in this conversation, but uh, casting directors make all final casting decisions that is false. Yeah. Uh, they do not. Uh, they essentially just recommend people for the directors and producers, and then directors or the producers or a combination of both uh, end up making that final call of who to bring on to a project. Uh again they just kind of recommend it but without the recommendation yeah you'd be sitting dead in the water so yeah i mean they work so closely together and like these cast and directors they have a, a heavy recommendation you yeah know, it, it's especially like some of the again marion darty if she recommends someone for a movie you're you're going to take that in consideration yeah as a director she i mean some movies are written with certain people in mind not with us anymore. yeah she passed yeah um which sucks but uh you know onwards and upwards yeah um but again it is like uh they work very closely together they work hand in hand i mean it is a recommendation the director or uh, gonna make the final decisions yeah um yeah they they they, they all work sort of closely together and i think the, the better your relationship is with your casting just like anything else right mm-hmm. like just the better the relationship is the, the better communicating you're going to be uh and so uh, yeah, the casting director keep, has to know the story absolutely. behind each oh, character, yeah. right? You have to know, you have to, you have to understand a story before the story is a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, like before it's actually before anything gets shot, before mm-hmm. anything gets really like before any fucking like uh, uh, you know storyboards get made. You really have to understand the characters, you know, and and the story that's being told because you have to understand who you can put in those positions to be the most successful. Um, and then uh, another myth uh, about casting directors is uh, even big named actors have to uh, audition for jobs. Yeah. So you really might have to turn down Jake Gyllenhaal for a role if you don't think that he's, you know, good for it. Um, and I think that's a tough thing to do, especially with in Hollywood and, you know, in, in film where the eagles are so big, you know, and rightfully so. Like if you're fucking Tom Cruise, I don't know if Tom Cruise is coming in for an audition. Like, yeah. you just you know what fucking Tom Cruise can do. Like, you yeah. know, so it's like, why would you bring him in and be like, all right, Tom, I need to read a couple lines from me. All right? Yeah. <laughs> Go back and forth here, you know, and it's like, no, just you see my shit. Just either hire me or don't <laughs> yeah and, yeah. and you, a good casting director knows when sometimes hey maybe i do have to have that big name actor come in and read yeah. these lines because yeah. i have to see it i have Absolutely. to hear it yeah um and again calling tom cruise and saying hey tom i need you to come in and read these lines yeah it's probably a pretty scary thing to do yeah, well, for, for anybody probably not happening too much nowadays i yeah. think uh yeah, i wonder yeah. who answers his phone they're like hello scientology like, <laughs> can i speak to tom <laughs> like they don't uh, even try to hide it they're just what like, is it about <laughs> <laughs> Tell me and I'll relay the yeah. message. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll read the lines here. Just fax it through. Um, okay. Uh, so some of the notable uh, casting directors, uh, just like you said, uh, probably the most uh, acclaimed of, of, of which uh, is uh, Marion Doherty, um, who uh, she's, she's kind of, uh, they, they say that she kind of created the New York sort of vibe Uh um, or the look in, in films mm-hmm. in terms of uh, like the 1960s in terms of like the, the, the kind of 
making New York look like what we imagine New York as today, like this fast pace, like everybody's talking crazy, you know. And yeah, uh, I remember in um, uh, Midnight Cowboy uh, with uh, John Voight, um, you know, the famous scene uh, with uh, 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 Robert. Uh, it's not Robert Duvall. Uh, f- uh, fuck, what's his name? Was God it, damn! Is it. It, is it Robert something? No, Robert? it's uh, Gene Hackman. No, it's one of those guys. Yeah. God damn it! What is his name? He's ah, it's like on the fucking tip of my tongue. He's in uh, Meet the Fockers. He's the dad. He's um, the crazy dad. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. What is his? Fuck! Name? I want to kill myself later. I'm, I don't remember. I keep thinking Sean Penn, but I know it's not. No, Sean no, Penn. no. But but I can see why. I don't know why. <laughs> I can see why you would say it was. They Sean have Penn. those like. Yeah, eyes. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but he has the famous line of "I'm walking here," you know, and uh, I, yeah, 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 like that's literally where everybody like gets that from. What do you think about Dustin New York, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman? Yes, um, you know, and it's that whole mentality and vibe of New York of "Hey, I'm walking here," you yeah. know. Um, and so if it wasn't for Marion Doherty, like that wouldn't have happened either things like know? that would have never been exactly on film. uh so she's uh obviously maybe the most noteworthy of the uh casting directors but then you have nina gold uh and ellen lewis uh who uh their resumes sort of speak for themselves and that's mostly because i didn't write a majority of their movies down <laughs> uh but uh yeah, yeah they, those are also other uh casting directors you can kind of look to if you if you uh do want somebody to sort of uh, mimic yourself after of yeah uh, I gotta throw one of my favorite casting directors in there uh, okay. Ray J uh, <laughs> casted Kim Kardashian in that uh, masterpiece oh, of sex tape Did he? very good casting yeah yeah I don't I don't know if he uh, I don't know if he, he had foresight about that I think he was just uh, probably just yeah, I think he was like, I'm gonna create yeah he knew he knew he yeah. was like I'm gonna make this family mega stars yeah. i don't know why he didn't um he, he, if ray j had more or better forethought he yeah. would have like signed them all yeah hey i yeah, need yeah. all of you to sign these contracts of course yeah we're yeah. gonna be huge there's a yeah, there's, a, there's a movie coming out soon. i would have made them john gruden yeah. type of contracts yeah, yeah isn't it crazy? 10 year miley and i'm not, no not miley kylie jenner is yeah. like one of the highest grossing celebrities in I, I honestly don't understand it. Like, and, and I'm, I mean, not, I'm not saying that out of hate. I'm saying it because I literally just don't understand it. Like, so she's got cosmetics. Her cosmetics. Her cos- I mean, dude, cosmetics are billion dollar, billion, billions of billions of dollars. And Kylie Cosmetics is one of the highest grossing, um, other than like Maybelline and um, it's th- like this. Kylie this- Cosmetics is booming like on one hand i want to say shut the fuck up you sound stupid by saying like oh like consumerism is gross but when you think about that that's stupid like there's nothing different about her fucking makeup than anybody else's it's her brand but it's like you just slap the name kylie jenner kylie on it and suddenly that shit's selling like hotcakes now i mean granted rihanna dropped hers and then it came in and pretty much annihilated kylie's in terms of like earnings yeah um but yes like a celebrity endorsement can take a brand from a hundred well i mean that's clear but to a billy it's just so stupid and she's the highest earning kardashian which is wild or jenner but, but and then you wonder like why like why is it her like why is her star so much brighter than everybody else's like what is she, like I mean, why, how is she different she she's got cosmetics she's close to a billion no 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 I mean like why is her name bigger than because they all have cosmetics right Kim's got cos- cosmetics uh, yeah whoever else you know I think she just appeals to like the younger 
uh, a lot of the people buying Kylie cosmetics are like high school girls, you know, early twenties and whatnot. Kim's obviously a little bit older. Um, but like, she's like their idol. The other sisters are a little bit older. It's like, uh, Kim is like, you'll, I don't know. You might not touch Kim's status, even though Kylie's earning more than Kim, but Kylie's like the, the age group they can identify with. Yeah. She's there too. Uh, the, the world is upside down. Nothing makes sense. Hey, getting to the B, I can't even knock it. Whatever they're doing, I they may, people say they don't have any talent. They've yeah. got, they know how to make yeah, money. Making money is a talent. Yeah, uh, <laughs> ask the guys. Can't ask, knock it. Ask dudes on Wall Street. All right. Uh, so, uh, what is your what is the best thing you've ever gotten for Christmas? And we'll leave on this note. Yo, one of the greatest Christmas gifts and, and like feelings I remember is uh, when my mom got me and my brother a PlayStation. Mm. I, I don't. What was the play? It wasn't PlayStation One. It was. Yeah, it was, PlayStation it was like the original PlayStation, the black one. I'm mad. I'm trying to tell you what you got for Christmas. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, it was a one. It was like, 2002, How 2003, would I or something like that. that. Yeah. But I remember mom's got us a PlayStation, and yeah. um, I mean. You know, later on in life, you learn like how much because it was expensive then, right? For oh. a si- single mom with three kids, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you were saving for a while yeah. to get that. Yeah, <laughs> she and like she knew we wanted it because all of our other friends had it, and I know she spent some money on it. And I still appreciate that gift to this day. I was mm. like, I was big. I look back at that and I'm like, she busted ass and broke the bank to get that for us. One of yeah. the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. Dope. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's a tie for me. It's a tie between the first bike I ever got, and because it, it just the utility out of it was just insane. I just yeah. did everything with it. Mobilized. Bike. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> I can be anywhere. Yeah. It's take my business to the next level, <laughs> worldwide, all, all around Colombia. Yeah. Um. Uh. So it was a bike, and then the other one was a uh uh uh. It was a microscope set, um, that I got. Uh, and it, I quickly lost interest in it. Uh, but I remember when I first got it, it was the most interesting thing that I had ever like received. Like, because then I just started looking at things. I started playing around with it. Yeah. Of course it did not get the train going as far as my interest in science yeah. overall. <laughs> uh, it didn't, in fact, it, it might've just shooed me away from it. Like, Yo, this shit yeah, is not this cool. It's not for me. This yeah. <laughs> no, no. Cool. Science is cool as shit. Yeah. Just not for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I think that's the one of the best gifts I ever got, and uh, and I'm trying to think too of like anything else that's like an honorable mention for me. Like an old, like this is like an ex from like way back when. She got yeah. me the box set DVD to like my favorite anime of all time, and I remember she well, told me, "What's your favorite anime?" Yu Yu Hakusho. Never heard of it. Incredible, yeah, like, incredible, incredible anime. Great story, great mm-hmm. writing, um, great characters, great everything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are you, are you gonna like? Do you have a, one of their shirts on underneath? Are you I, I just I need to get, always repping them? I need, to, I need to get a hoodie. Yeah. I might get I might get it tatted. Um, but like, she, like she told me the story of like everything she did. She went to like nine like the mall in White Marsh, Towson, Columbia. Went, yeah, I think she went to PA. Shit. To to that's, <laughs> you, that's this actually is where she ex? got it. Yeah. Happening? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't appreciate her. If she's listening. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know if I ever apologized to you uh, in person, but I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, you should. This sounds <laughs> like the beginnings she, of. She got Ruben me one of my song. greatest. Um, I would say like the second greatest gift. I was like, yeah. I still have it. Yeah. And like, I want to wait maybe like another like three or four years and yeah. go back and start it from the beginning. Yeah. It sounds pretty dope. 
It sounds pretty dope. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like think of like what else is like, and I've gotten a lot of things over the course of time. So I'm trying to like, I know I'm sitting, uh, I'm sounding less uh, humble than I, than I am, but uh, yeah, just uh, runner up isn't coming to mind right now. But uh, but I've re- re- I've received some pretty dope gifts over the years. Grateful bastard. I really am. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> and on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy your Christmases. Uh, I hope we're, you know, and I'm already doing this with my family this year. We are reducing the uh, consumerism. No more exchanging of the fucking gifts. I look if I can't buy this shit on my own, then you know I don't deserve to, <laughs> to yeah. buy this shit. I need to be able to get this shit on my own. Um, but uh, either way, I hope everybody gets some time with the uh, the fam and uh, the people you care about, and uh, yeah, just have a dope time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, New Year's is on the way, bitches. We're gonna be here with our fucking uh, year end show uh, coming up. Maybe this weekend, maybe Monday. Who knows? Haven't decided yet. Although most likely not going to be Monday since that is New Year's Eve, literally. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. But uh, either way, we will be back at some other point in time. And uh, between now and then, do yourselves a favor and uh, just do the usual protocol. Fade out. Deuce is. <laughs>